The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Oh, and another Feral Lord album. He, that guy is just, he never stops. I know you have some of these guys, I, I don't know how they do it. They, they, once they pick up the instrument, they'll never stop until they die. Yeah, yeah, it's um, that Bestial Peg Lord guy. He puts out an album every three months as well. Like, he just never stops. There's a lot of those dudes out there. And, and then there's another guy I met the other day who's involved in four industrial slash harsh noise projects, and he puts out like 16 albums a year. Between them, um, I can mention some cool EPs and stuff. Okay, that were around, and then um, when we redo our uh, stuff, I'll uh, have like a maybe a more tightened up list, and we'll get shit figured out. You know what I'm saying? Hey everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, it's James and Brendan here again from uh, Cave Dweller Music, and we have Nick from Haitian Firm. Uh, here to talk about his 2020 wrap-up and uh, discuss some stuff he's got coming up in 2021. Thanks for coming on Thanks again. Thanks for having Nick. me, guys. Always enjoy being here. Oh, yeah. So uh, I know that we have talked extensively, Brendan and I, about what we liked in 2020. Um, and we had our end-of-year wrap-up lists on the website, but I know you never got a chance to, to actually tell everyone what you liked about the year. Um, so we're hoping to hear from you. What really stood out to you in well, 2020? You know, 2020's been a very difficult year. You know, I managed, I was. I actually wrote, I think I have like 600 words I was planning to submit, but it's a bit late in end of January. And obviously, you know, listening to the label stuff, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, to scout out music, to, to really get to know the music on the label. And then to, you know, just take time to listen to other bands, you know, without wanting to sign them or anything. But there have been quite a, I think 2020 has been a very strong year for metal in general. You know, it, it's it's not 90, 1985 again, but there have been a lot of really great releases. You know, a lot of uh, old bands coming back stronger than ever. You know, new bands mm. that pop out of nowhere. And with the internet, it's getting, like, easier to find them, you know. Yeah, it's been an awesome year. It's kind of interesting because there's kind of been, like, two different schools of uh, music happening in 2020. There's been the uh, all the revival movements of all the old genres that have kind of like a, a new golden age type thing. And then there's also been just all these crazy new styles that have been pushing the boundaries that have been popping up. It's kind of cool to see both of those growing side by side uh, in 2020. I think that's one of the big highlights for me was that huge push in revival movements and then all the crazy new stuff that came out. Oh yeah, definitely. And th and then there's been stuff that's kind of been like between the revivalist stuff and the kind of new extreme, you know. So yeah, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's one band that really um, impressed me recently, which is a band like I enjoyed when I was much younger, but I, I didn't think much of them. And you know, uh, this is Hate Forest from uh, Ukraine, who've been around since 1999. I mean, they're all you know, a lot of their stuff is kind of like the typical. Um, kind of very um, smooth Eastern European black metal. And then now, you know, in 2020, I think yeah, December 25th, on literally on Christmas, they released their best album ever, you know, and the guy's like pushing 50 now. So it's kind of like um, Boltra, how they did that absolutely killer album, like right at the end of their release uh, career. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I know, uh, 
the one with the cannons on it. I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, it's called. Uh, God, why can't I remember this? Both, uh, um, regarded by a lot of people as one of their best albums, and it was right at the end. Yes. Uh, those ones, loyal from two thousand five. Yeah, it, they peaked again, like twenty years on. I love the first song on that album. You know, it's got like this really cool um, lead guitar playing this awesome melody throughout. It's just called At First Light, and it. <laughs> You know, I, I love the idea, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, it's warfare as soon as the fuck, you know, as soon as dawn breaks. That, that, that album as well has some, like, pretty memorable, like, riffs in general, like um, oh, yeah. Kill, The Kill Chain. That, that that song is, like, yeah, I guess stuck in your head the second you listen and to it. And they ended it on a really appropriate um, tone, you know, as Cannons Fade. I think that was the last song off the album. You know, it's like the yes. most bolt-thrower yep. name ever, and it's... It, it, it's you know, it's just like, that's it. We're turning off forever, guys. <laughs> See you in the next life. <laughs> <laughs> well, he went He went on to make, um, the lead singer went on to make that other band that he's in. Um, I don't know if you've heard his other band. That's like very similar to Baltra, but different at the same time called oh, Memoriam. Yeah, I remember hearing them, yeah. It's it's not quite Baltra, and his vocals are a little different. Like he's gone from the really guttural to kind of a raspy sound. But personally, I really like them as well. Um, I think most people who like both row would sure at least check them out if they haven't. Yeah. But we're going off topic. Um, we were listening to what you had to say, Nick. What, what were you uh, saying about 2020? <laughs> there have been quite a few bands. and uh, Also, the problem with these uh, end-of-year lists, man. You know, we all all go back to albums that are released in like 2016, 2017, and we're just thinking, oh, how did I miss this when it came out? <laughs> you know, so there's also that. So I get confused. I get Sometimes I get confused. Like, I'm convinced that an album from like you know 2018 because I discovered it uh, last year was from 2020. <laughs> right, right, that happens to me as well. You know, I mean, yeah, hate hate forest hour of the centaur is the one that really impressed me the most. Is I mean, just just the vocals on that are, are insane. Like, I, 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 you know, they remind me of like Carl Willits, but like if Carl Willits was like a, a ten foot bear or something. <laughs> All right, I have to check that one out. I actually haven't listened to it, so that's on my list now. I mean, a lot of bands. I, Sadistic Drive, which are a band that I remember discovering their rehearsal slash demo in like 2018, and they released their their first full length, and it's really cool. It's like imagine a Discharge meets a Demilic kind of thing. Nice. I like that. It's got a lot, of, a lot of those like very you know simple you know dry like punk riffs with a lot of energy, and then it just breaks down to like kind of these insane uh, guitar leads all over the place. That's awesome, Brendan. Do you know that one? Have you heard that album? I don't think so. I'm... Yeah, me either. We'll have to check that out. Yeah. I also like when uh, we talked to Death Metal guy. He recommended that old Nick album. And uh, did you listen to that one? Uh, I mean. Oof, the the terminus Ooh, guys, man. I don't know how they do it. They listen yeah. to like a million albums a year. Right, right. It was pretty wild, man. It got pretty, pretty wild in there. It was fun. It was like that band made black metal like a lot of fun. I don't know. I, I get why they liked it so much. Yeah, I actually went through and listened to a lot of those albums on their list as well, and some of those were pretty mind blowing. Yeah. That um that one that he was talking about um with the black metal industrial where it's overlaid like there's two different songs playing at once yeah and then it's all um catholic themed did you check that one out i did not but it's on my list 
it's pretty nuts. I listened to it the day after we talked, and uh, yeah, that's that's some crazy stuff. I mean, what else do you have? Honestly, honestly I think like maybe a f- three quarters of my list is um, either through Cave Dweller or um, or Terminus. Honestly, that's where I that's where I go to look for my music. <laughs> Well, we're glad to hear that. At least someone's listening to what we have to say. Sometimes I see Brendan (laughs) spamming a lot of links. I'm like, nah, that's more than 24 hours worth of music. I can't listen to that today. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, theme days have been uh, pretty fun, you know? (laughs) Yeah, Brendan just goes into like a frenzy and starts foaming at the mouth and just spamming links. Yeah, I'm like, well, you know what? Because there's a lot of times like when something easy comes up, right? Well, not necessarily even easy, but like, you know, we did EPs. So, like, I was just, like, floating through, just like, wow, well, shit kind of came out. And boom, I either listened to them once already <clears throat> or was just like, oh, yeah, you have to hear this one. Or, you know, it's like, it's there, man. So, I got it for you to hear. I love doing that. Yeah, you have uh, a lot of links ready to go. Because I think you, you keep everything in your um, Bandcamp wish list right yeah so anything that i've heard want to hear i've either purchased or it's in my wish list you know like um or i'm following the band at least you know like there's just a lot of stuff dude and i remember most of it you know because it's that's why it's there i was talking to um one of the guys in our group after the theme day uh this week and he was saying that as he goes through the year he makes playlists of one track from every album he likes and then he, he builds it throughout the year and at the end he goes back and re-listens to it to see what he's forgotten that's I thought that was kind of cool. yeah i mean yeah that's that's a good idea for me i know like uh music like changes seasonally kind of you know like during the fall and the winter it's like more of like that dark kind of just dirty gritty stuff you know and then as like the spring and summer comes around i find myself still listening to like you know more like heavy psychedelic music or um you know more like prog i don't know just a different energy you know Mm -hmm. no i get that but all of it heavy (laughs) mine doesn't really change by the season but it changes by what i'm doing while i listen yeah well it also depends too company who you have over you know um, yeah, but I mean, like if I'm working out or something or if I'm cooking or just going for a drive, like it depends what I'm doing or influence what I'm listening to, to me at least. Yeah, no, I get you. Definitely, definitely. Like I generally prefer really fast, heavy music when I drive. Not that it helps me stay under the speed limit, but it is enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. I'll, oh, man. I like, uh, like, that's where I like listening to like those like long drawn out sludge albums, you know, just like. Oh yeah. Crazy. Just like, I got a long stretch of road, man. Like, let's just listen to it, you know? And then next thing you know, like 40 minutes has passed by and you heard like two songs and you're like, wow. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Nick? Uh, you got driving music honestly, that you prefer? Um, I was listening to Goatcraft in the car because it's kind of, you know, it's dark piano music, but it's still kind of relaxing. I almost fell asleep, you know? So... <laughs> No, <laughs> like, I want. Sometimes I want to listen to like uh, you know prog rock, like King Crimson, Yes, and Genesis. Because you know those albums require mm. a lot of um, calm. But then I realize, you know, if I listen to that while driving, right. you know, I'm just gonna be, I'm just gonna be crashing all the time. Like not even along. concentrating too much on what's going on. So nowadays mm-hmm. in the car, um, I get that m- music that's king for me. It's gonna be stuff like Madonna. 
Depeche Mode, you know, stuff that's kind of fun. Fun. I mean, I, honestly, I really nice. like pop. Uh, I hate I hate people who's like, oh, I listen to metal. You listen to pop, which is dumb, which is uh, which kind of childish. But you know, a lot of good pop stuff, especially from the eighties. Well, I I don't know about you guys, but I love like all of the eighties pops. Well, it's kind of as popular. I wouldn't call it pop, but I love eighties like post punk gothic stuff like the cure um echo yeah, and the bunny men um the church uh psychedelic furs all that stuff like i I'm, i love that stuff i love like that classic 80s you know like just good shit man yeah it's a great great decade for music it's just a lot more like more upbeat and fun and then like any everything turned kind of dark in the 90s and then, uh, oh yeah, we got new new metal made everything turn kind of dark. Yeah, and you had uh, <laughs> ska music. I love well. ska. Yeah, that's like the dark the dark period in human history. One of the best ways I've heard ska described is um, being a thirteen year old and finding a extra mozzarella stick in your order of uh, appetizers. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that that explains why I still enjoy ska today. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like ah, oh, I got an order of eight, and there's nine. Hell yeah, you know, like <laughs> let me put on my fedora. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, what what were those shoes they all wore? It was the um Doc the checkered and black and like black that. and white <laughs> the black and white checkered um uh, vans. So it was vans, wasn't it? Black and white checkered vans. <laughs> yeah. There's um some of those music comparisons are super accurate. Like there's what the best one I've seen that made me laugh for like I don't know five minutes straight was Radiohead is music for people who get anxiety at McDonald's asking for extra ketchup. <laughs> oh, that's marvelous. <laughs> yeah, I've also seen them called Asthma Rock. Asthma Rock. Yeah, yeah, music for people who uh, can't do strenuous activity. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, um, we were talking about something, uh, which I believe was, uh, we were talking about 2020 releases. Nick pretty much said that uh, he, he found a lot of it through us, but why don't we wrap up well, um, some of your releases that you had on the I mean, label for 2020? You know, there's a lot of stuff. And, well, you know, when I look at the label, you know, I, I never go, I said to myself, oh, this was released in, you know, and uh, whatever you, you know I, I just take what i like and if the band's interested and i'm interested and you know it, it all works out that's that's uh then i'll have them over <laughs> but honestly you know i'm gonna always mm. i'm always gonna sign a band that i enjoy you know i never sign a band thinking you know what you could make me about 75 cents more than the other bands just through band camp you know <laughs> you know there's no money there's right. no money in this <laughs> so you, you know um obviously you know i think ancient gate was a big discovery because I think at the time I signed Ancient Gate, there was like, yeah, there was only Hosts of Lord and Ancestral Morning on the uh, on the label. So Ancient Gate comes up to us. I listen to it. I'm like, oh, this is cool. I love it. It's kind of epic, you know, over the top, really melodic black metal. And it's from Argentina. And it's, you know, it's like Latin American black metal that isn't, you know, uh, <laughs> Sarcophago or Sepultura inspired. Yeah, I think we um, that was the first yeah. album from yeah, your label we reviewed. That, I that was the first one, yeah. Yeah. That's a good album. I really like the album. I art the, he chose a gr- really good artist because um, Ildrak, the um, 
the guitarist, the vocalist, and keyboard, he, he spends hours looking at artists from what he told me. You know, he, he knows what, he doesn't look for the best artist, but he looks for the one that hmm. feels like Ancient Gate, if that makes sense. Do you, uh, do you see the album cover for that one, uh, Brendan? Yeah, that's, uh, if I'm not looking at it right now, but uh, with the kind of night standing yep. there, with that's like the, one. The, the background was like kind of purplish, kind of, I want to say like a mountain, right? Is it a mountain or a castle? I think from memory. Um, castle. Behind it. Castle, I think. I think no, it was a castle. Yeah. yeah, it was cool though. That was cool. Um, yeah, and, and you put out some pretty interesting stuff with um, yeah, Lone Goat as well. Came up to me. And he said, "You know what? Um, he wanted to do a, a split with um, his friend Zeus from uh, Plutonian Shore because they, they've been friends for a very long time, but." Uh, mm -hmm. Zeus lived in California. Lives in California now, and Lone Goat's in Texas, and they played together. But you know, it was it was never going to be possible for them at, at this point in their lives, you know, to to ever have a real band together again. So because uh, the, Zeus's band Plutonian Shore never mm -hmm. got a, a physical release for their last EP Alpha et Omega, uh, Lo Lone Goat came up with this great idea. You know, he he did kind mm -hmm. of ambient. The first three ambient tracks were, were his. You know, the first. And they kind of led to the, this kind of insanity, you know, black metal insanity of Plutonian Shore. That's awesome. I really like that EP. Did you check that one out, Brendan? Yes. Yeah, that was a good one. Um, that that Lone Goat stuff was really interesting. Yeah, it was, it was, Mars it was an ode to moves. Mars, wasn't it? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was that was really cool. I was actually um, on that that massive road trip uh, when I checked that one out, uh, driving through the desert every day. Um, so that was oh, yeah, good I, driving I remember, music. It was interesting. Uh, do you, do you still miss the summer heat? <laughs> oh my god, that was just staying in a tent in 115 degree temperature at night is not something I recommend to anyone. Um, if you are thinking of doing that, so if you want to go to Joshua Tree and camp, probably don't do it in the middle of summer. Uh, um, yeah. that, that, that's that's insane for me. That, that's 46 <laughs> degrees Celsius. Yeah, it didn't. It just didn't cool down. I was like, "Oh yeah, well the nighttime's going to come, and then the sun will go away, and the heat will go away." <laughs> it just did not at all. Um, that week was actually record breaking in Death Valley um, for like second highest temperature ever recorded or something. And we drove right past that the next day, and we got out of this gas station, and I tried to pump gas, and I pushed the button on the machine and burnt my finger. <laughs> uh, that's kind of like, that is too hot i have uh like i have a pretty good high tolerance for pain in my uh, hands because i've been a chef for so long so it's like i grab hot stuff all the time and then i'm always like when someone like you know my wife like burn her finger on like the toaster or something and i'll be like oh yeah yeah right <laughs> you can't fool me <laughs> Yeah, pathetic so, yeah. I, I mean you know yeah. it's just like even in 86 degrees uh, some cars are j j it's impossible to sit in them you know you know if you're wearing shorts <laughs> oh yeah 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 especially if they have leather seats as well oh yeah you can't have leather out in this like california sun shit like that it's, uh -uh. it's gross you just stick to it you're supposed to like i guess like the best thing is like to have like a white car or something like that you know something that reflects the heat not just soaks it in Right, and like the, the the tip that I would give to anyone who doesn't use them is if you're in that heat and you have to park your car anywhere at all, 
use one of those uh, windshield covers. It makes like a huge difference. I, I've uh, never used yeah. them before, really. But when I was out in the desert, I used them every single time I parked the car, even if it was like 20 minutes. That's the way to do it, dude. Oh, yeah. Was there anything else that you did last year that we covered, uh, Nick? Or was, was it those? Oh, you did it. The yeah, second yeah, we release did Mephistophilian Exordium, as well. which was one of like, in terms of um, the yep. packaging, was one of the most ambitious things. Is Well, it was the most ambitious thing we ever did for, with Hedge and Firm because it's like a double CD inside a jewel case that kind of flip, flips open inside to reveal both CDs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Getting that done was That's in cool. the, was a That's cool. it was a bit of a nightmare. And, you know, long... yeah, I glued the wrong side again. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> we don't actually do the gluing stuff uh, with Fashion Firm. What we do is, yeah, what we do is like we oh, make sure that the good. files for printing are, are complete. Like we make all the files so people send us the logos, the images. We assemble them and we make sure and we, we and we check the colors mm-hmm. because that, that's something that can, uh, you know, if it's the wrong kind of black, it prints out gray and stuff like that. So we obsess like like maniacs right. on the slightest detail, and then we send it off to a company that you know that just that has a software that just prints it out on the on the CD. You know, there's very little human uh, intervention. So if we if we're wrong, if we're wrong or we mess up, then there is um you know there's no way to know how it's going to be printed because there's like very little human intervention. So that, that's the kind of hard part for us, and we're, yeah. That would be stressful until it arrives. And you're like, oh, God, is it going to be okay? I, mean, I was just going to say, you we, know, um, the, oh, sorry, the Methodist boys who have the um, off-scourings coming out on the 30th this month, you know, we were on the phone pretty much constantly getting, uh, you know, together to make sure that the uh, that the art and everything is printed perfectly on the CD and, that, you know, the that the tray is the correct size, everything. You know what? While we're on that topic, let's talk about that album. Um, I know that when I first met you, that was the first album. The previous one was uh, something that you really, really loved. And uh, you got me onto them immediately after we started talking. So it must be a pretty big deal for you to have yeah, you know, uh, this I've album been, coming out. I've been later. friends with those guys, you know, just before, you know, Ember Dawn came out. I, I got to listen to it. I had the, you know, the masters on Dropbox and everything before. So, you know, I, I got really close I, I listened to those songs so many times. I, I don't know it, it was, it, for, you know, for anyone who's really into that kind of that style of death metal, you know, the old kind of nineties, uh, the European stuff. You know, bands like Sentence, you know, Demigod, um, you know, Sacramentum, Immortal, whatever. You know, that was like a huge, uh, you know, a huge punch to the gut because a, a lot of times, a lot of bands tend to like mimic the past. But they really wanted to to move forwards with the style, so you know, I ended up being like a not not a groupie, but the the equivalent, you know, of like a virtual groupie slash a roadie, whatever it's called on the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like over the top obsessive fanboy. Like they are my favorite, and they can do no wrong. Hey, objectively, they haven't yet. So I know for you that was a big one, and it's been a long time coming. And we just had a look at that one yesterday, uh, put our review out for that one. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. Ember Dawn, I, I really liked Ember Dawn. This is pretty much just a continuation in that direction. Very proggy death metal, but without feeling like it, if you know what I mean. So it's everything is constantly moving and growing and progressing, but it doesn't feel at all like a prog album. It, it feels like a death metal album. So 
yeah, yeah it I mean, sounds so well. I, I, I think there's a certain uh, art in you know in any field field of you know making something complicated, making it look simple. You know, instead of you know making something simple look complicated, and I think those the the Memphis guys were really trying to get that down, trying to make you know they wanted to explore new sounds, new everything, but they still wanted to make it you know a metal record that still had um you know the aggression and uh, all the things we love about metal. Yeah, I think I think that's why so many people connect with death music because they were really good at doing that. They they made metal that was completely death metal. But at the same time, it was always yeah, and, progressive. Uh, yeah, and Chuck never made the same album twice. He was, he was probably incapable of doing that, I think. He was like, even his nah. voice changed a lot from album to album, you know? Like, yeah, it's like, it sounds like a band, you know? It's almost Especially like the last Alfred, one. You know, on the Painkiller co- cover. But on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, actually, I actually really love it's that a great, cover. Yeah, it's a great cover. I think Chuck kind of butchers the solo a bit, but the rest is really good. Yeah, it's it's in that sort of uh, vein, I guess, to me. That's my perspective. So if, if you like that type of music, then so you're going to want to check Method maybe, out. Yeah, the kind of mid-periods, you know, human, symbolic. Not so much, you know, uh, Scream Bloody Gore or Leprosy. No, that's so, a bit more straightforward. Great, some great moments, you know, on the... Oh, I love those albums. That's not a, that's not a uh, insult or de- detraction from them. Uh, Pull the plug is one of my favorite death songs ever. Song. Uh, I love. I just love the title track, Leprosy. It's got this awesome melody in the in the middle. It's like really kind of almost feels upbeat. That is a good song as well. That I need. That's an album that I, I've given it attention, but I feel like I can always give it more attention coming back to it because I always get so stuck in their um, mid to late career stuff. I don't know. That's just me. It's a personal problem. I need to I mean, you know, go back to the early albums in my more. Life, you know, where if I was commuting and and I wasn't listening to Symbolic, I didn't, so, you know, something didn't feel right. You know, you used to listen to that album. <laughs> yeah. I, I, that's my all-time favorite Death album, personally. Um, and I, I do listen to that I, when I driving that quite a bit right? as well. It has so many parts. I mean, you look at, um, what's the song? Crystal Mountain, you know, when he pulls out, he pulls out the acoustic guitar at the end. You know, oh yeah, it never feels forced. It just feels like wait, that song should have always mm-hmm. had a, uh, an acoustic guitar. You know, it's like it's not like him showing off. Look, I can do this. You know? Did you hear that I've Death had, Orchestra uh, album last orchestral year? Orchestral covers on the internet. I've re- I remember seeing one where it was like these two violinists, one cellist, and a drummer, and there was, and there was like yeah, I'm not sure it might be them, but they, they were they were all young. You know, it's, these girls were, were probably like 16, 17 or something. So this was in, from Russia, and it was a full album that was put out with a full Russian orchestra and this Russian death metal band that did a bunch of uh, death covers and played it live and then recorded it and released it. Uh, and it was really, really good, in my opinion. Um, one of the some of the best death covers I've ever heard. Because when you, I don't know, it kind of proves when you listen to it that the music transcended metal, that it could have been played in other genres, um, because adding the full orchestra into it doesn't change the energy of the song whatsoever. It just brings yeah. a lot of extra energy out of it. I remember you posted it in the group, I think, a while back when it first came I, out. I did, yeah. It was um, it was in December, I'm pretty sure, from memory. But yeah, if you, haven't heard, if you haven't seen that, check it out. They have all the videos from the show. It was that, they filmed the whole yeah, show as well. Um, you can watch it on YouTube. I really, want to hear them see, I really want to see if they can make an orchestral version of like Zombie Ritual. They didn't do that, <laughs> but they did do Crystal yeah. Mountain. I mean, Voice and, of the Soul, uh, Voice of the Soul, the and a bunch of other classics. You know, as an um, as an orchestral cover. 
Yeah, and that one was an obvious choice. But some of the other ones, they it sounds like the violin uh, backing the guitar on oh, Crystal Mountain is just awesome. I can't wait to hear that, to be honest. I'll link it to you actually straight after this. Twenty twenty one wise, do you have any, okay, so anything we'll, else you know, uh, in the works? After this, then after, after that, we're, we're you know we're we're going a completely different direction. We're working with uh, Negromante from Guatemala, so that it's a kind of dark. Mm occult ambient project so it's very far away from um metal you know it's only metal in spirit kind of like goatcraft is you know but th- yeah this this is like um you know it's just right kind of right. what like a few synths and very meditative um ambient music so the, it's a we're, we're doing a compilation of um negromante's eu- euphonies there's free so it's a three parts that we're all compiling into one CD. So yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's a break from the noise. This is just nice. much, you know, for, for meditation and the like. Then after that, we have um, polemicist who are coming uh, back with a, uh, with a new album. And uh, you know what? I'll break the news here. There's a special drummer and it's Pendath from Mephitis on it. Yep. So, so yep. So yeah, oh. is doing that. That is pretty cool. I've heard of the demos for the um, Ancient Gate songs. You know, we're working on an EP, which is going to be, this time it's going to be mm-hmm. much more um, ambient and Burzum-like, you know. And then uh, okay. we have Cromlech, who are a band, uh, kind of epic doom heavy metal band that we just signed, who are working on the album A Set of Kings. Is that the one that you showed Brendan and I the other day? Yeah, the Wayland. Yeah, I was about yeah. to ask. That was really good. I like his vocals, man. They were really, they were really nice. They're like crisp and clean, and like just, yeah, they were they were eerie too at the same time. It was good. Yeah, that was good stuff. Looking you know, forward to that. We'll, come, we'll definitely you know, cover that one. I always wanted that, you know, at least one heavy metal band. You know, the, this this is the genre of music I probably listened to the most uh, in my life growing up. You know, I love death and black metal, but you know, sometimes I just want to go back mm-hmm. to you know something that's kind of you know simple but just anthemic and um, and absolutely huge. You know, without you know, you do, you don't need like blast beats going full full crazy. Sometimes you know. It just takes a very simple melody just to get, you know, just just to get you in that mental space, you know, where you want to do things, where you want to live life, where you want to conquer your objectives. No, I get that. And that's what those classic metal albums are so good for. They just really get you, like, pumped up. Did you listen to that one uh, from last year? Uh, just trying to think of the name. Give me a second to try and draw it out of the memory bank. Eternal Champion. Um, that was the kind of big one. Eternal it's Champion. Yes, all, that is the one. Eternal like Champion. Did you listen to that one? Life, you know, even the guy who... Yeah. Even the guy. That's what I thought. That was like a brand, brand new Man of War back from the dead. Um, and there's another one from last oh, year that was also that really one, epic called Possessed Steel. It's, um, so it's pretty much like NWOBHM stuff, but then they also have a black metal vocalist. Um, that, so it alternates between clean vocals and like black metal vocals, yeah, but it's all heavy metal I mean, music. Um, you know, Venom was a new wave of British heavy metal band, but that they had that kind of gruff singing and so did Motorhead and sometimes Tank as well. That's where the whole black metal thing comes from, the name, at least, from the, their album, Black Metal. Black Rock and Roll. Give up your soul for the gods rock and roll. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm a huge Venom fan. I really, I love their stuff. Yeah, they're pretty good, man. 
paved the way for a lot of stuff. You know? Definitely, 100%. They, they're, they're the ones that made the really dark occult satanic stuff. Like, they, they kind of folded that into I mean, the a genre. A lot of the rock bands were into else that had. stuff, you know, like Led Zeppelin and all that, but it was just a passing fascination, yeah. you know, whereas guys like, you know, Black Sabbath were kind of, because I think they were all Christian, so they, they knew it was that they sang about it, but they were scared of, of it. Whereas Venom was like, we embrace this completely. You know, we submit to your to your desires, O Dark Lord. Yeah, yeah, and they had like the iconography of the pentagrams and stuff, and yeah, it was it was a different, a whole different ball game when they brought that stuff into it. And then you had bands straight after that, like um, I have this T-shirt yeah. downstairs, and it's one of my favorite albums. Got Mind Blank, uh, Hellhammer. Hellhammer is one of my all-time. It's only a small. Short-lived project before I mean, they became fast. I, I remember Tom G. Warrior was going on about you know about this about uh, Hellhammer and interviews, and he was always upset that every magazine back then trashed him completely, and now everyone loves Hellhammer. I know it's uh, it had like a revival movement where it became cool later. Then um, people started like going back and liking that raw demo sound. Oh, dude, I saw. I have to. I have to bring this up. It's not. It's, it's on the topic of Tom G. Warrior. I saw the dumbest argument ever on a metal site the other day. So, you know, how, I don't know if you saw, but like Metallica covered a Celtic Cross song and then Tom G. Warrior told him to fuck oh, yeah, off I saw that, yeah. and said, don't touch my music. Did you see that? <laughs> it's no, the, yeah. I did not. But I it's Kirk and... Um, it's pretty funny. It's Kirk and Rob. They, they just... Because they um, have these weird little jam sessions where they butcher songs for some reason, like uh, Princess, When Doves Fly. Like, I don't know why anyone would pay... <laughs> you know, you pay a lot of money to see Metallica... And the least popular people in the band, um, Kirk and um, Rob. You know, everyone wants to see James and then maybe Lars if he's playing okay. But, oof, I never understood that. No, I don't get it either. I got to see, I think it was in 2001, I got to see uh, Metallica. That was a pretty ridiculous show. I've seen them as well. They're actually pretty impressive live. Um, they do a good live show. Not to go off on a, on a tangent, but the so that was where the topic was on that metal website, and then the comments section was a dumpster fire of all these Metallica bros being like, "I don't even know who Tom G Warrior is, bro. He should keep his mouth shut and stuff." And this guy's like, "I'd like to see Celtic Frost sell out a stadium tour. Like, obviously they have no nothing to talk about." I was like, "This one guy's like, if they're so talented, then why don't I know any of their songs?" I'm like. Dude, your lack of knowledge about metal history is not indicative of the band's talent. And like selling out a stadium tour isn't a measure of how talented a band is either. Because there's a lot of bands that will fill up stadiums, but... That suck. Yeah. But it's just, the argument was so dumb. It was pretty much an entire website versus Tom G. Warrior of all these Metallica fanboys just bitching about how he got mad. Like, like, yeah, they got really butthurt that he said that. I remember reading a, a funny story about the Metallica guys. They were they were hanging out, you know, um, at the, the house of their first bassist, Ron McGovney, right? And they were listening to the first Bathory, right? And Ron McGovney was going, oh, guys, you have to turn this, turn this uh, down. Mm -hmm. This is completely satanic and this is evil. And I think they said, you know, something like, shut up, you pussy, get out of your own house, or you know, something like, nah, we've got this on the we've got we're listening to this now. You, you can go, you can go away. <laughs> you know, people forget like Metallica was a part of like the dirty underground stuff. It's not because they got more famous that you know they're better than everyone else. Yeah. 
No, it's like if you listen to their really first album, it's so different to the latest stuff. It was it was very dirty speed metal. Yeah, it's like you know. I miss old Metallica. Exactly, dirty well. speed. Everyone misses old Metallica. It's, it's like there was a there just yeah, there's man. a turning point after Master of Puppets. I mean, and Justice for All was still a decent album, but it was never the same after Master of Puppets. I was gonna say a lot. Uh, yeah, man. Or black, black. Well, black albums where they started shifting towards the rock side of things, but at least it still had a lot of good tracks on it, and it was catchy enough. But following black, it was just like, yeah, yeah. Point of no return. Once they did load, reload, and Saint Anger. Saint Saint Anger. I I really I wish I could be there for those sessions. Just understand what the hell was going on. Here. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at like there was a trend in. The early 90s uh, to mid-90s of really big, successful thrash bands just shitting the bed with their careers. Like, look at, there was that with them, and then look at Risk with with Megadeth. That album is disgusting. And there's a lot of bands that did that in that period, like, try to branch into, like, different, you know, they try to make it more accessible to the trends that were happening at the time. Like, Slayer had a, a massive dip in their quality as well around that time too it was that um i was gonna say everybody hates the album uh the album yes that's the one the the new metal album Um, that they did yeah like they down tuned their guitars and they were trying to do what everyone else was doing and it just it didn't really work out for them i don't think i think you know but they tried something new so that's neat but like after that they kind of uh, I can't remember the name of the album right now. Um, God, wasn't it God Hates Us All? God Hates Us All. That's a, I think that's a good I didn't album. mind that album. Um, I thought that was pretty good. I have a few songs from that that I really like. Um, the album I'm talking about is... Christ Illusion? Yes. Yeah, that was a, that was yes, a good album. That's the album. I like that. Um, that was a great, great album. Um, even a world painted blood. I didn't mind that. That had, yeah, well, that had some good I songs on it. I thought blood is probably like my favorite Slayer of yeah, uh, they definitely last did. millennium. Technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a really good album. I, I saw them yeah. on that tour as well, and it was, it was pretty. I've seen. I don't. Know, I don't care what anyone like says. I'm. I'm a. I love Slayer, man. I'm always going to love Slayer. Um, I've seen them live oh, yeah. like four times. Um, they're fantastic. I I got to see them one time. It was fun. But yeah, oh, man. Skeleton Christ, good tune off of. Um, oh man, yeah. Good Jihad stuff, and man. Cult. I think it's. Good. I think so too. But yeah, that that down to the album. Yes, Jihad is a killer song. I love that song. Yeah. The actual song "World Painted Blood" as well, and "Hate Worldwide" are both really good tracks. I, I even thought "Repentless." Yeah, was pretty I like good that one as well. Like, I saw I saw a compilation yeah. the other day though that I was like, oh man. It was like a, a compilation of all of the riffs that Kerry King's written, just one after another. And I was like, eh. <laughs> also not. yeah. I mean, the band is good. Kerry King is not a musical I mean, genius, though. I think I'll put he it must that have way. helped them. You know, he, he's been in the band since day one, nah. pretty much. You know, maybe he's not a good musician, but you know, maybe the the chemistry between them makes it. Like, yeah, he's good at building no, he, it out. You know, he's solid. Work. He, he gets it done. He does his job. I'm not shitting on Kerry King as far as his, like, you know, he's a solid guitarist and he's reliable. And you're right. He does bring good chemistry to the band. Um, it's just, he's not, 
groundbreaking guitarist. I'll leave it at that. Jeff Hanneman was the brains behind that band. Exactly. That's that's what I was. Yeah. That's what I was getting at. Yeah. I got to see them on uh, actually. So I made a uh, playlist of um, when I saw them live. They came to Yunkersville. I was like, "All right, this is what they did." I'll I'll send it to you, James. On okay. Spotify. Yeah, it was uh, from six one eighteen is when I saw them. Nice. It was good. It was a good freaking show. Man. I saw them last year on their final ever world tour. Or was it was the year before Christmas time. Whenever it was, um, their final tour they did. 20, yeah, they were with Anthrax and Behemoth. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I got to see Behemoth. That was dude. I missed them. Dude. There was a traffic jam in the city, and we arrived as they played their last song. I was so mad. That was like oh. the worst traffic jam ever. Um, we were just sat on the spot for like half an hour. But yeah. the highlight of that night was the second they started playing Raining Blood, it started pouring rain, and everyone was like, "No way!" Because everyone was really wasted. <laughs> so everyone, everyone freaked out. I was pretty drunk, and I was like, "Oh, it's a sign." Um, <laughs> yeah, that was solid. That was a good show. Uh, Anthrax is what, the only band in the Big Four I never really managed to get into. Yeah, they were kind of like fun and more. They weren't like serious, like uh, as far as like you know, like Slayer has their stink there, being like anti-war and all that crap, and friggin' murder this and. Um, where you got, you know, Metallica was kind of dark, but it wasn't that dark. But I felt like those guys were just like, just a ton of fun. Yeah, they're, they're not a, like, yeah, I'll never like, be like, turn that off type thing or anything like that. And like, I've seen them live three times playing with other bands that I like. Um, and they're fine. I just, I never really developed like, you know, I'll never be like, let's put this Anthrax album on. It just never clicked to, love, to me. Um, Among the, wait, yeah, it's Among the Living, the third album. Is that the one with the album cover with the guy, yeah, the guy like, with like the amongst all the zombies or something on it? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's the one. Yeah. You know, a band I I think is massively un- underrated oh. as well from that era. Um, Overkill. Band. I absolutely love Overkill. I honestly, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure like nothing really rings a bell. Like I know I've listened to it, but um, oof, I um I might have missed the boat on that. I will send you after this call uh, a couple of tracks to check out because they are fantastic thrash. They're like in my opinion, um, at least. Um, what what would happen if like a you know like a British heavy metal band you know got uh, you know raped by like you know the kind of over the top uh, American hard like the early hardcore stuff you know. that, that album from '89, okay, right. The Years of Decay, that I, is my favorite album. There's that one's got so many classic tracks on it. Year of Decay. All right, I'm gonna look. For yeah, it. check that one out. Start with Illumination. I think you'll really like it. Under the yeah, Influence was a good album too. They kind of went. They went a bit too groove metal. Fear the Fire, Taking Over. Under the Influence. Years of Decay. Yeah, that's my favorite. Um, that and Under the Influence are my two favorites. But oh, Horoscope's good too. But yeah, Years of Decay is my all-time favorite. And I, I always really liked, I thought Testament was pretty solid their whole career. I, yeah, I love Exodus. Exodus is fantastic. Yeah, there's a lot of mm-hmm. other bands. And that's just the American scene. Like last night we were talking about the like, Teutonic stuff, like Creator, um, Sodom, many of those like legends. But this is now becoming like a thrash podcast. Yeah. So we need to Let me get um, some, some beef. rein it in a little. <laughs> <laughs> Good old thrash. That's gonna be like a thing in sociology, sociology um, books in like seventy years. 
people who like listen to Slayer and eat pizza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sociology behind uh, what happens if one guy wearing a Slayer shirt shouts Slayer and another guy wearing a Slayer shirt and why he physically has to respond. <laughs> or it didn't happen. Anything else that we need to talk about to cover 2020 or uh, what's coming in 2021? Or do you think we no, pretty much I mean, got that under wraps, like guys? Another 20 million albums, you know. But, uh, you know there is so much go, so much stuff mm-hmm. going on. And I still haven't finished checking out everything in 2020. You know, um, a band, uh, there's a band that really got my eye on, which weirdest name oh, ever. Yeah. They're called um, Laetitia in Holocaust, which means joy in happiness in latin yes I, I was wondering as well why is Leticia in the holocaust as well at first but then it's kind of italian like it's italian technical black metal band which is really really cool really impressive they had a release called okay. uh, heritage in uh yeah, two, yeah 2020 and apparently that they should they they should have a release in 2021 as well and i'm really hyped up for them awesome i'm going to check that out Letitia, um, so it's like L-A-E-T-I-T-I-A, how do you spell the name? E T I T I A, and then it's in, in as in you know just inside. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And Holocaust. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, we'll check that out. And uh, not to to have to wrap things up, but some things right, actually come up on my side. I'm going to have to jump off in a minute or two. Um, it, anything that you guys want to touch on before we do? Hmm. Oh, we got a lot of there's a lot of new music coming out, so we're gonna get uh get bombarded. Oh, we again. have been. Uh, we uh we just got signed up to a couple of new PR firms. Uh, so there's a tidal wave of new music hitting us every day at the moment. Also, I think we should all, we all need to check the new Asphics. You know, Asphics have never disappointed. Yeah. Yes, I fully agree. I am a huge Asphics fanboy. Uh, there are some of their earlier albums are some of my all time favorite death metal. Yeah, I actually checked them out like this summer because um, remember I'm all new to this death metal stuff. I checked them out uh, this summertime. I can't remember who posted it. It was probably Somebody me. I, I post them pretty um, often. Well, they had uh, no. Someone had like oh yes, yeah, yeah. Like, I remember seeing like, that. That's 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 the uh, that's when I I picked them up and I was like. Holy shit, dude. Yes. Awesome. Their first two albums, The Rack and Last Save One on Earth, rack, are two especially. of my top death metal albums of all time. So good. And like the last one on Earth, some of the tracks on there are so heavy and just like, like you know, just like doomy. Because like, that album has quite a few doom influences in it, even though it's death metal. It's, death, it's pure death doom. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Death doom is on point, man. It was kind of the same with obit- like obituary and cause of death. It's a really like slower paced, heavy album as well. Do you yeah. Ah, oh, I was trying to find it on Spotify. I can't find yeah, it on that, Spotify. That Aspects album drops on the 30th, Aspects. doesn't it? Or is it next week? Oh. Uh, I think it is next week. Yeah, right now mm-hmm. they just have a single up. Right that one's called Necro Seros. The Something Ones. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, nameless. Uh, nameless oh, yeah, is yeah. the one I'm looking at. Yeah, their, their last few albums are really yeah. good. Like the incoming uh, death, death hammer, and death the brutal way were all solid. 
They only ever had one album I didn't like that much, and that was God Cries. And oh, even that's not that bad. Didn't they have, wait? Oh. No, I think they. Were, I mean, yeah, I think they they, they did they didn't age badly at all. You know, uh, they're very always um, no trying to improve, and they have some yeah they have great stuff throughout the, their entire career. I don't think they have like, they don't have like one bad release. You know, they always have a re- on all their releases. They always have great stuff. Yeah. Have you um heard the vocalists' other band? Yes, definitely. And Pestilence, of course, where they're pretty he good started too. His career as bassist vocalist right yeah yeah pestilence yeah, is another band man i love they're the riff kings yes well actually there's that one and there's another album of theirs that i absolutely love from late korea come on brain don't fail me now resurrection macabre i know people shit on it but i really don't care i thought i had some awesome riffs yes that's a and great so one. did like testimony yeah, of the ancients is also with, just awesome um, martin van drunen from you know uh, asphyx no he, no um no, he wasn't. No, uh, testimony. No, wait, was, was he in stairs as well or no? Was that someone else? Oh, so it was Consuming Impulse was the last one with, what's his name? Yeah, Resurrection Macabre. People share on it, but if you haven't listened to it, check it out. It's got some killer riffs in my opinion. Sometimes I think people just shit on bands and they can come back because it's like a little bit different to the original from the 90s and they're like, it's not the same. And like, it doesn't make it bad. Well, yeah, it's right. Those are the people that just listen to the same freaking. Uh, fucking Pantera album over and over again. Walk up home, boy. Die and die, go fuck <laughs> off. Hey, uh, hey, this isn't Cowboys to Hell. Trivia. Martin Van Drunen did live vocals for yes. a death metal band that we spoke what about today. And you wouldn't believe who. For one year, he did live vocals. Without looking up on uh, Metal Archives. My guess is death? You wouldn't believe it. No. No, I don't know. Who you have a guess, Brendan? He he was for a whole year the vocalist I don't, of a bolt no. <laughs> Yeah, that's insane. <laughs> yeah. Really? No, no releases, way. Though, oh, but no he was the vocalist. That's crazy. I had no idea, man. I think the biggest like bombshell to drop in metal history recently was um, the the bass player from Deep Purple <laughs> oh, playing on. Yes. Um, and apparently, apparently, people are digging up videos where like. Um, a bunch of guys were saying this stuff in the 2000s, you know, like, uh, you know, listening to the record and trying to trying to understand it. And people were just, uh, you know, insulting them for saying yeah. that the bass was fake. But now the band have admitted to it, which is insane. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, I was watching Simpsons the other night, speaking of, um, of uh, Judas Priest. And um, they actually had Rob Halford do a cameo. Um, playing breaking, playing breaking the law, oh, awesome. but they refer to them as death metal, <laughs> and like I'm surprised that Rob Halford let them do that, you know, without correcting it, or maybe they did it as a joke to make it funny because it's wrong and metalheads were like then you would piss them off. But right, right, right. I think they did it for the yeah. Uh, it was the like comedy factor. It was yeah. um they had like the Simpsons inside this embassy, and like the only thing that can get um, Americans out of a foreign embassy is death metal, and then Judas Priest show up and stop blasting speakers. Um, yeah, it was actually Rob Halford for like <laughs> one scene. He did a cameo, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'm that's a diehard funny. Simpsons fan. I watched, I've seen it way too many times. Same. Simpsons and South Park, man. That's I've wasted hours of my life on that. Simpsons. I love that South Park where they get. Really <laughs> yeah. <good> things, so. <laughs> uh-huh. That's a great one. <laughs> 
Uh, anyway, um, unless there's anything else we need to cover, I um, I actually have to jump off, unfortunately. Definitely. Yeah, no, I think that's Yeah, it. thanks for coming it's on. It's always a pleasure. Um, so if anyone who's listening for the first time who hasn't heard us uh, speak with Nick before, make sure to check his label out. That's Hessian Firm. Um, you can normally find us covering something of theirs every so often, so keep an eye out for our reviews of their music. At the moment, the most recent one, as we mentioned, Methodist. Uh, so make sure to check that one out and keep an eye out for our future releases. Appreciate that, James. Way to invade my privacy. That's why I'm in the U.S. They brought me here for a reason. (laughs) (laughs) Shit, I'm the guy that actually used to work with the NSA and stuff. Did you actually? That's awesome. I was a military intelligence. Really? So, uh, yeah. So we we uh, we kind of technically worked underneath both the U.S. Army and the NSA. So I had to deal with them a lot. Oh, that's cool. That's definitely sweet. I have a friend that's uh, still in the army now. He's a captain in the army. Oh God, he's an officer. Yeah. Disassociate yourself from him completely. Never speak to him again. <laughs> hey everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, this is James and Brendan here from Cave Dweller Music, and we have the death metal guy from. Terminus Extreme Metal podcast with us today, doing a bit of a crossover interview here. So for those who don't know uh, the Terminus Extreme Metal podcast, uh, they've been going for a while now, have a lot more episodes than we do out. And uh, yeah, we'll let you uh, take it from there. Introduce yourself, man. Uh, Welcome aboard. Welcome, everybody. I am the death metal guy from Terminus or Terminus Extreme Metal podcast. If you want something a little easier to Google, taking hits and sucking dicks over here with the Cave Dweller Music Boys. And I'm very happy to be here. How are you doing, guys? (laughs) I'm doing really good. Fantastic. Thank you. So um, I know you guys just got out your... uh, what was it, four-hour uh, wrap-up episode the other day for 2020? <laughs> it, yes, it was a four-and-a-half-hour wrap-up episode. Uh, you can hear me getting drunker throughout the episode. It's a, it's a great time. I'm, I'm completely losing my mind by the last few <laughs> records. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, that, was a, that was a really great time. Um, yeah, we, we usually do three-hour podcasts, uh, which is already too much, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. It ended up just kind of sprawling out, and we said, fuck it, just leave it as it is and uh, let the listeners enjoy it. You kind of gave us the inspiration for what we're going to do with this one is where we're going to do a wrap-up, and uh, we're going to feature you and maybe a few other people um, just talking about 2020 in general and getting a, a, a long-ass episode together to wrap up the year that was, because um, it really was a hell of a year, um, both for mm-hmm. uh, so, so many good releases. So many releases, and uh, just to Genuinely crazy time overall. So, you know, for people who don't know your podcast, do you want to just tell everyone a little bit about what you guys do? Yeah, so uh, Terminus is a podcast we started uh, sort of late spring, early summer of 2020. Uh, I think it was April when we first started putting out episodes. Uh, It features me, the death metal guy, and my co-host, the black metal guy. Uh, we have been writing together in uh, various metal zines and blogs for uh, something like 10, 12 years now. 
but we decided it's 2020. It's all about new media, isn't it? The kind of thing we can extort money from people on Patreon for. <laughs> so we started a podcast. Um, and basically what we do is uh, we typically cover about four albums a week, uh, as well as a news section. Uh, mainly focusing on extreme metal, uh, black, death, grind, doom, uh, occasionally featuring stuff from other sides of the spectrum. And what we really concentrate is on sort of a podcast version of the metal writing that we did back in the day and we kind of grew up on, which is, uh, I don't want to say kind of academic, but I would like to say a little bit more informed. There's a lot of kind of historical material we like to talk about, some sort of uh, entry-level music theory stuff, and we just try to give these records the, uh, you know, uh, the discussion that they deserve, if that makes any sense. Just from uh, the perspective of guys who have been listening and playing this music for so many years. Yeah, I think it really comes through that you guys know what you're talking about. Um, your podcast is a little bit more definitely in-depth than ours. We, we kind of just have a chat with people, but you guys really sort of look into albums and take, uh, you know, analyze them uh, in a way. Because we, we focus more on the reviews, and then for us, the podcast is sort of a fun side thing for people to get to know some of the bands we've, we've worked alongside. Yeah, I'd say that's the main difference, really. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for us, it's just, uh, you know, we've always been involved in metal writing over the years. Um, it never really stopped. But uh, me and my co-host, you know, we're, you know, best friends. And we've kind of fallen in and out of contact over the years. Usually my fault, because I'm an insane person who disappears from the Internet sometimes. <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> no, I mean, for us, uh, we don't really have the outlet of writing right now. So all of the energy gets poured into the podcast. And we figured that there was probably a niche available for this kind of content we do, which is just incredibly autistic and in-depth and obsessive. And uh, we've got a small but growing and really dedicated fan base, uh, which is really as much as we could ask for, for the content uh, that we do. Um, I, I definitely did see that you have the same people every single time you post, you know, commenting and liking and stuff. So you have that, that, that core fan base going, which is great. Good to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, we've got the uh, I, and then the the big link between you guys and us is obviously Nick from Hessian Firm. Yes. Yeah. Nick. Uh, Nick was one of the uh, first people to discover us and really give us our initial push, uh, exposing us to a lot of the people who are fans of his label, who I think are sort of cut from the same cloth as us as sort of weirdo hermetic black and death metal people mm -hmm. who really obsess over this kind of music. And obviously the music he releases is excellent and is right within our wheelhouse. Uh, how did you guys get in contact with him? I'm curious about that. So it's actually kind of funny. Um, right when I very first started our uh, page and group and all that, I was in a death metal group I don't know, a ton of members, 30,000 or something. And I posted something about a Morbid Angel album. Um, and Oh, I remember I remember this from your <laughs> interview with him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he had a go at me. And he's like, you're wrong. I'm like, no, you're wrong. And we got into this, I don't know, 50-comment argument. He's like, I'm going to message you, man. So he messaged me. <laughs> and we like, carried on arguing for a bit. And he's like, you know what? Like, I might disagree, but you can, you can actually like uh, form a decent argument. You have an opinion on things. Do you want to start reviewing the music from my label? I was like, yeah, sure, man. 
that was that was kind of how uh, Nick was with me because uh, Nick hates probably like three quarters of my taste in black metal and that sort of thing. But he says that I can form cogent arguments about it. So he respects me for that. He's very kind of classical Voltaire type. In that yeah. <laughs> oh, also I got to ask from that interview, which, which one of you was it that said that mortician is almost a joke band? So I had said that was one of like the first kind of like death metal bands that I got into. And then um, I don't remember who it was either James or, or Nick that said that it was like, I think it might've been Nick. I think it might've been Nick. Yeah. Yeah. He was well, like, I'm yeah. tracing Nick's IP address right now to hunt him down because Mortician <laughs> is without question. One of the greatest bands that metal has ever seen. I will defend that to the death. <laughs> I think I said yeah. that Six Feet Under was a joke band because I was in the same conversation. Because yeah, yeah, I, definitely. I think they're a joke band. I actually don't know Mortician as much as I should. I only know about five songs of theirs. I well, remember they all like sound the same. School, so, like riding BMX bikes and going around all crazy, and uh, my buddy was like blasting it in this like his bedroom, and I'm like, "What is this?" And he's like, "Oh, it's Mortician," and I'm like, "All right." These guys are freaking definitely using a drum machine and because uh, no human is that fast. <laughs> oh, yeah. What is going on here? I listen, to ha- but, I listen to Hacked Up for Barbecue probably once every two weeks, as I have for like 15 years now. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think I have some homework. Uh, I'm going to have to check that out after this podcast. <laughs> You'll hate it, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, they're definitely different, for sure. Like I, I mean... I love more of like the black and kind of sludgy sound, you know? So like for me, death metal is something that's kind of like I've tipped my toes into the, you know, into the river a little bit, but that's about it. So I have like a, a really good love for the new style, old school death metal. Oh, I got you. Yeah. Me and me and James were talking about this at one point about how you guys in general cover a much broader range of material than we do because there's just i think i was saying to james is like i think over back in 2012 we covered like one sludge record and we didn't really like it <laughs> so <laughs> you know we we're not into sludge we're not really uh not into a lot of the more high-minded kind of black and death metal well i guess that's all a matter of perspective but uh Right. We we keep it pretty close to the core, I guess, which is a little bit different from you guys who are more interested in this like uh, wide variety of stuff surrounding the metal spectrum. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's because like there's a bunch of us that work on the on the site, and all of us kind of have different backgrounds of music that we've been into for a long time. Um, so we kind of just branch out into what the genres that all of us like within mm-hmm. metal and around it. Uh, and it kind of gets pretty weird sometimes. We've covered some pretty odd stuff, which uh, I think you said you'd seen some of the stuff. We're covering, like, what is that? Like, I don't know. It gets pretty weird sometimes. But, yeah, I mean, no, yeah. I'm I'm into a lot of the uh, the esoteric stuff that you guys cover, just like weirdo independent releases. I, I guess the big difference is we made a decision pretty early on in the podcast to, with a few very specific exceptions, basically not to cover anything from like Century Media, Nuclear Blast, uh, anything like that. Because the reality is we we realized we just hate 99% of it. 
And yeah. our right. our passion really is, uh, I want to put words in my co-host's mouth or anything, but my passion is really small bands. I love listening to debuts from new bands. I like weird tape stuff. Most of the stuff that I listen to on my own is either old records that I've been listening to for 10 years or weird uh, death metal demos from the earlier mid nineties, that kind of thing. So it's, it, it's just a very different kind of perspective. I mean, um, in that aspect, I guess we, we don't cover too much of the big label stuff as far as you guys out of it for a different reason. I, I mean, for us, it's kind of just the fact that we're not going to get a response from those artists or those labels in any way, shape or form that's going to get us out there. Yeah. Um, because, yeah. I mean, but this kind of thing, it's kind of reciprocal between you and the artists um, that you're going to take the time to write the review and they're going to share it. It's going to help you grow. It's going to help them get an audience type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the smaller, right. the smaller labels, like we, we have a really good relationship with um, Trepanation Recordings and uh, Curse Monk and a few others, other smallish labels, like, you know, less than 5,000 followers type thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, I like working with those guys because they're always going to share it. They're always going to say thank you and stuff. And they always give us like the goodies early. Like, hey, man, this is going to like this album. Here's a previous copy type thing. So yeah. I do prefer working with yeah. those labels as well. That's been that's been our experience as well. Um, obviously, there's big records that we want to cover because we know they're good. A, a big thing we've done is basically we've just stopped covering stuff that we know will suck. You know, um, <laughs> I did that a few right. times on the earlier show, and I think there is a place for that. But as far as just doing, you know, kind of self-indulgent takedowns of stuff that people in our milieu know sucks already, we we just kind of gave up on that. Like uh, the last one we did, the one that broke that down was the last incantation record. Um, we, we covered that. and It was like I knew it was going to suck. But I still went through with it. And by the end of it, at the end of that segment, I was talking to my co-host and we were just like, let's just not do this anymore. You know, let's not punish ourselves like this. So now we just stick with uh, mostly underground stuff that we're enthusiastic about. Or even if we're not super enthusiastic, there's stuff that's very interesting about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no, I get that. But yeah, no, it's the same thing. We've got a, a very close relationship with... Uh, Old Mill Artifacts, um, really outstanding kind of unusual folk metal label from Canada. Mm-hmm. Uh, great relationship with Repose Records from the UK, obviously Hessian Firm. And uh, me personally, uh, I'm trying to develop more of a standing relationship with some of the Brutal Death labels that I really respect, like New Standard Elite. Mm-hmm. Uh, comatose, severed, uh, reality fade, uh, rotting nemesis, stuff like that. So yeah, but yeah, no, the, the smaller guys have always benefited us much more than the big guys in terms of covering right. their music. No, I mean, it makes sense though, because they appreciate a lot more when you actually put time in to help them out type thing. Those big guys they have all those major sites covering them anyway, you know what I mean? Like, if, if Century Media releases something, one of the big sites like No Clean Singing or Angry Middle Guy or something is going to cover it anyway. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I, I I don't get it though. It it feels like things have changed over the years. Um, the interests of internet metal people, because you know my co-host not so much, but I really grew up in the uh, the early days of file sharing. Uh, and I especially got into stuff like Soul Seek and DC Plus Plus, where people were 
much more enthusiastic about trading weird demos than they were big releases. And I think that kind of sculpted my interests in metal. I want to hear these sort of raw, primitive forms of a lot of these ideas. Yeah, obscure bands that are like just banging out some really, really good stuff that just doesn't get the... Exactly. And it's not so much a matter of it being big or small. I think it's just a matter of, you know, if you've spent... God, I mean, I've been listening to extreme metal... 12 years old, so like 18, 19 years ago now. And the reality is it's not so much an elitism thing. I've heard all of it already. So my interests are going to be in these sort of micro niches and these weird regional scenes, stuff like that. I think that's a misunderstanding a lot of people have about people like me or, you know, my co-host. It's just what is the new Amana Martha? that I haven't heard before. Probably nothing. Right. You know? <laughs> no, I mean, I think from what you're saying about the, the, the whole tape culture and stuff, there's kind of been these two camps developing um, for a while now in, in the metal scene. I think more so now the band camp becoming more and more prominent and people are starting to finally kind of shift away from Spotify a bit. I think there's definitely this whole culture of... Uh, you know, the underground scene coming back with all those random demos and tapes and all those, like, um, I guess, indie tape labels and stuff that have started popping up in the yeah. last sort of five years or so. Yeah, no, I I mean, that's definitely happening, but I guess uh, we've kind of come up with a term for a lot of that, which is raw tape black, um, Okay, which is uh, it kind of started back in, like, the early 2010s with a lot of guys from the hardcore scene, kind of discovering black metal and really getting into the sort of DIY punk aesthetic of it. But the music, some of it is excellent, no doubt. But a lot of it is just, it's raw, it's primitive, but it doesn't have the magic of songwriting that a lot of the old stuff had. So... Right. Um, so there's definitely new stuff for people who are just interested in that sort of thing. But uh, for instance, a good example, um, some buddies of us out of Tasmania called Carved Cross. Uh, Carved Cross approached us, which was awesome because I've loved that band for, you know, six, seven years now, something like that. And they just do small releases on uh, like their house label called Overdose. And uh, it's pretty much all vinyl or tape and they release them at fair prices. And for the first couple of years, no one cared. And then all of a sudden it was decided that carved cross was a cool band. And then the discogs resellers got to them. And it was interesting. You know, I, I read an interview with uh, the main guy behind the band and he said, you know, for years we've been doing material like this and no one cared. And then suddenly cool people decided that it mattered. And now we see right. our records uh, resold for $200 on Discogs. And I think that's the thing that I resent is this sort of intrusion of, I mean, hipster is a very general term, but this was not music made for people whose homepage is Pitchfork, you know? 
right. it has meaning behind it. It has a subculture behind it. So, you know, right. uh, like, leave it to us, man. Leave it to the maniacs, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't remember who we had someone on the show. We had a whole conversation about when black metal became, again, the term hipster is a general term, but black metal started becoming a hipster genre. And it's just, it's kind of weird that they chose that genre in particular of metal to latch onto because it's really not a super accessible genre. I mean, it's not meant to be a super accessible genre. It's meant to be boundary pushing and groundbreaking and kind of shocking and stuff. And there's this whole new subculture in it that started, you're probably right about 10 years ago, um, where it just started becoming like a trendy thing to like, random black metal band. Well, I think uh, I, I think it leaked in before that. I think 10 years ago is probably when it got firmly established, but uh, you can see it in the very early stuff by like Wolves in the Throne Room or uh, right. yeah. even before yep. them, the Weakling record, which yeah, oh, yeah. the Weakling yep. record Dead as Dreams, which is not a bad record. It's not really to my taste, no. but it's, it's not a bad record. Um but that got kind of the San Francisco hipster scene interested. And I, I believe that those guys kind of came from a punk or hardcore background, which there's nothing necessarily wrong with. I mean, those guys put out plenty of good music. Yeah. That's my background. You know, it's like punk and hardcore. And like, so like all like the, the death metal and black metal is like new to me. And like, for me personally, I really liked a lot of like the newer stuff that's out. Like, you know, like whether it's a new wave or black gate, I gotcha. And whatever you want, and to call I'm not, it, but like, no, I understand. I and I'm not going to sit here and like harangue you for liking that stuff. It makes sense. It appeals to your sensibilities. But, but what I am right. saying is, uh, the uh, black metal guy, my co-host on the podcast, uh, made a really astute observation that there is a sort of parallel universe scene developing in extreme metal uh a sort of black and death metal scene where the listeners are mostly coming from say an arty hardcore background like a lot of people that listen to converge and coalesce um you see i like converge coalesce is just eh, it just doesn't do, do it for me um I had a few coalesce CDs back in the day, so I've listened to it. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, yeah. so y- you've got these two scenes emerging. You've got this one founded and mas- basically controlled or at least operated by metalheads. And then you've got this other scene of stuff heavily influenced by a lot of good bands, but which ultimately seems to be missing the point, if that makes sense. Because it always seems to be a process of drawing this music closer to this, like, Brooklyn art scene. You know what I mean? Brooklyn or San Francisco. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. Yeah, and there's, and there's, nothing, there's yeah. nothing wrong with liking wait, that music, wait. but identify it for what it is, which is ultimately, and I like a lot of these bands, but they're not really black metal or death metal bands. They are art kids from these various urban scenes taking those influences kind of replicating the style and doing their own thing with it which is fine but let's not pretend that that is this hyper authentic kind of thing you know 
Right, 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 right. Right. You don't want to be like, well... Fucking lamp of murmur. God damn. Where it's like, oh, all <laughs> You're you lucky know. Matt's not here. Matt loves that, man. <laughs> I, I was just like looking through and I'm like, I have lamp of murmur right here. And like, that's like on that verge of like the stuff that I honestly like when I was first getting into like extreme music and heavy like metal like that and like blackened metal even like I, I heard it and I was just like, it sounds so raw and good but like there was just so many fucking blast beats and i'm like <laughs> which is which is funny because if i when i oh, listen to lamp like, and murmur you know i didn't really listen to them for a long time but a lot of people like them so i decided to check it out i was like oh well this is basically just like indie rock ultimately you know if you boil down the melodies like a, a good example for instance would be deaf heaven like yeah. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually good, I enjoy yeah. Sunbather a lot, but I always say Sunbather is a really great screamo album. It has it, it has very little to do with black metal. It's got screechy vocals and it's got blast beats, but those are things that, for instance, uh, Japanese emo bands have been doing for many years. So there's always uh, yeah this interesting relationship between metal music and people kind of folding in influences from outside and the metal scene, trying to process that like a, a good example that I use is uh, ISIS ISIS mm-hmm. good band uh, really love a couple of their records, but back in the day, back in the metal forums of the mid two thousands, we used to call that atmospheric sludge and we we called it that because we hadn't heard post rock yet. We weren't exposed to that music. Right. Now everyone understands. Oh, this is just like Godspeed You Black Emperor, but metal. Yeah, like <laughs> so. Uh, that that's yeah. always been an interesting thing. There's always this phenomena. People start folding in these new influences. We try to figure it out within metal itself, and then we realize, oh. It was just this other style of music the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And this, this, like, uh, I was listening to, uh, I'm sorry. Hey, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say, I was listening to uh, Necrot today, and I was like, you know what? This actually reminds me um, of, like, oh, yeah, like yeah, Power yeah. Trip. You know, like, it's almost thrashy in a way. And I was just like, wow, this is really definitely not. Well, I wouldn't consider. Necrot oh yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I have not listened to that Necrot album just because too many people like it. So. <laughs> oh, good no, man. I, uh, I, I couldn't get into it. I, I tried to like it because everyone else liked it, and I thought it was going to be really good. It's not bad, but personally, I, it's not going to make it into my top like twenty of the year type thing for me. But that's just me. Well, I think um, like yeah. Necrot is just a. There's because we've been through a couple waves of like old school death metal worship stuff at this point. And uh, I don't know. It it just feels like all of them are kind of missing something to me because the, the, the big thing for me is like it always sounds like it's trying to be. Uh, I describe it. <laughs> I describe all these bands as having horror movie riffs. Uh, which I would trace back uh-huh. to like old autopsy where it was just like 
Ooh, right. Spooky orchestral sting when Jason comes out with his knife kind of shit. Now, I mean, there's stuff from that era, yeah. that era that is legitimately evil sounding, like something something that uh, yeah. Nick would probably suggest. And I'll agree with would be like infester to the depths and degradation, which is this right. unbelievably yeah. extreme for its time. And so disgusting and sinister it's it's incredible it stands up today a lot of this stuff though nowadays it's like the edges feel polished off you know uh the real mm-hmm. and i think a lot of it has to do with you know not to sound too insane but a lot of it has to do with like man a lot of these guys back in the day were really fucked up weird people like, you know, I, I've talked on the podcast about old right. incantation. The guys in incantation back in the day were all on black tar heroin. You know, they were they were crazy <laughs> death metal junkies. And I'm not endorsing doing heroin, but I'm saying, well, you know, sometimes it gets you pretty good music. <laughs> look, if you look at like the 90s sludge scene, that was really oh, yeah. the edge in that music I, as well. Look at, I like, had God or I Buzz God, Oven like, who were cool. shooting up heroin at their party yeah. with relapse yeah. when they got signed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, I I think that's part of the thing is like I didn't come up in the punk scene. My co-host kind of did. He came up in kind of the uh, punk hardcore scene. But I've always really respected that energy of just, oh, no, the, these are supposed to be bad people making this music, you know? Yeah, I think now there's that whole pressure of like you have to present a certain image or you're going to get like people trying to cancel you type thing. And you have to be, a you know you have to be a certain type of person to really make it big these days without someone trying. Yeah. To but I, I, I don't understand this whole philosophy of like, who gives a fuck about making it big? I mean, dude, when I was 14, I realized when I was listening to my like weird gore grind stuff that, Oh, this is what I'm really passionate about. And no, I'm never going to make a living doing this. <laughs> I just, I accepted right, that. Right. So it was like, well, I'm just going to do my weird demos and EPs and maybe I'll get a label to release full length periodically. And that's, uh, that's how my life has been, you know, playing in a bunch of bands and everything. I, I never cared about being famous or being appreciated. I just want to do what I loved. And that feels like something that's kind of been lost as metal or extreme music in general has gotten a little bit more mainstream. Just before we move on from that topic, though, the whole thing about those guys being crazy drug addicts and stuff. Say what you want about Cannibal Corpse, I'm not saying they're like the greatest band ever or anything, but that incident with the, with I think it was the guitarist with uh, the flamethrower yeah, and stuff, like uh, that was pretty, that was, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah, no, I've, <laughs> I, I, I've got the, pretty... I mean, shit, you know, the Cannibal Corpse, who I think are paradoxically one of the biggest bands in death metal and yet one of the most underrated bands in death metal, especially amongst underground people. Mm-hmm. Cause I think cannibal corpse are a truly excellent band and a lot of the underground metal scene hasn't realized it. Yeah. No, it's like uh, you listen to that music. And it's like, Oh, I'm so shocked that he had a bunch of guns and skulls in his, uh, <laughs> in his, in his bedroom or whatever. And I'm like, no, that that makes sense to me. That that seems proper. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. And then it's like when you look at those like one man black metal bands and they have like these really just awful lyrics about hurting yourself and stuff and then you and one of them commits suicide or something, people are shocked. Like, well, the right. mental state of those guys isn't exactly stellar. Like, they're making that music alone at their house for a reason. Well, that's um, that's always been that's always been the problem. I mean, for instance, even something like Cannibal Corpse. You know, my argument, even as a kid, was always: I mean, yeah, they're not literally murdering people, but the no. the anger, you know, the sort of rage in this music is a serious artistic statement. And I think that's one of the things that was forgotten. You know, it, especially with a lot of these modern kind of old school throwback bands, it's like it's just like a horror movie, bro. No, I mean, for me, it's never been like a horror movie. It's been about actually hating people. It's about actually having contempt for the society around me. You know, I might express it in this very explosive sort of uh, hyperbolic way. But I mean, the the emotions involved are authentic and I think that discounting that to appear more acceptable to the general public is forgetting everything that this style of music is founded on. Yeah. I mean, well, think about like mayhem, you know, those guys went through some shit. Uh, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say Varg did nothing wrong on the podcast. right? <laughs> <laughs> That being said, Varg did nothing wrong. So. <laughs> it was self-defense, man. I no, <laughs> my argument is literally that Mayhem and uh, its constituent members had stated that they were living outside of society and outside of the norms of you know modern society. So you live by the sword and you die by the sword, and as a result. Things like that happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, Did either of you guys happen to watch the movie? I, I haven't seen uh, it. Oh, Lords I, of I Chaos. Watch, I'm now. Yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna watch it. it. I can't watch it. No, I haven't but, uh, watched it. I read the book and I read what a lot of people said about it after the fact. Okay. And I've basically decided that it is a historical fiction of okay. Norwegian black metal in the late eighties, early nineties. Um, it's uh, now I, I don't think any of us are going to know what really happened. You know, maybe we'll get some deathbed confessions or something, but y you never really know unless you're there, you know? Right. Right. What we do know is that, Anonymous had fantastic dress sense. He had what? He did. Fantastic dress sense. Not everyone can rock <laughs> the crop top. Yeah, I've seen that picture. It's pretty outstanding. <laughs> it's one of my favorite photos in the history of the metal scene, man. I love it. That photo is awesome. Oh, man. My, I think my favorite photos are the ones that Peter Best took of uh, Host from Take, just like in his corpse paint on his Norwegian street in Bergen. You know, as like the old lady suspiciously eyes him from down the street. That, I think I've seen that one. Yeah. Well, Peter Best, I mean, as far as photographers, I mean, obviously he's kind of an art guy, but uh, that pulls it off. And also the other black metal foes that are the best are obviously the covers of the first handful of Dark Throne albums. 
Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. The, the black background with him screaming into the night sky. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like, uh, those are black metal to me. And you can tell because, like, Les Legions Noir from France just replicated those things over and over again. So clearly they hit on something there, some sort of imagery, some sort of artistic ideal. No, definitely. I mean, you kind of, those, those images are like synonymous with the whole genre oh, um, yeah. to some extent. Oh, 100%. High contrast, black and white, you know, it's, it, mm-hmm. it never gets old. I mean, there's still guys and, doing it today, like Black Silas, who master that style. Mm-hmm. And then the whole, um, you know, the whole of the forest thing as well, like really tied into the genre to some extent, like the whole, you know, it's, it's meant to be in a cold, dark place. It's meant to be forest. It's meant to be around nature. Um, you know, tying in all of that stuff is also a big part of the genre. At least originally it was. Yeah, no, I think, um, well, there's been kind of advancements and expansions from that. Like uh, uh, on my podcast, we've talked a lot about the idea of sort of a solar metal, a a sort of uh, a summertime black metal that kind of emerged out of the Italian scene. And you hear some guys doing now uh, because it doesn't sound cold and wintry like a Scandinavian winter. It sounds like a a hot summer night in the Mediterranean. And I think that's right. what a lot of the the cool uh US black metal bands are influenced by now. Okay. Interesting. I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah, because you haven't actually listened to my show. <laughs> I have listened to the show. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we should probably get into twenty twenty, shouldn't we? Yeah, we should probably right. do that. Let me, say, uh, man. let me take a, a short break. You can cut this out. Uh, just uh, okay. grab another smoke, pour another drink, and I'll be right back. So let me know, and then when James gets Discord or whatever, I'll let him know. I'll send you guys invites to the private server for like the patrons and shit. Okay. For uh, I'll let you guys in, but you're colored in pink to designate you as degenerate freeloaders. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, everyone else pays me. So, and then also, if there's anything you're interested in in terms of uh, our bonus episodes mm-hmm. where we mostly talk about like older shit, right? Um, we do like for the bonus episodes, uh, we do like two two records, usually from around the same scene or around the same era. Uh-huh. And that's like I'm really passionate about that because my interest is usually older music and uh, cover old black metal records, old death metal records. And it's really cool because it always kind of connects to uh, what we talk about on the main show. Right. So I can send you links to those as well. Do you, do you follow Grizzly Butts at all? Well, James, what a way to prove that you don't actually follow a podcast. Because I know because that you guys share each other's stuff a lot. <laughs> Grizzly Butts is like our big sponsor. He posts all of our shit yeah, on I've, his I've website. I've been saying that constantly. Um, that he's yeah, no, no. he's He found us out of nowhere. And uh, he sent... Uh, he asked us, like, he was like, I'm looking for a podcast to sponsor, and you guys are the guys to do it with. And we said, yeah. So uh, he gave us another big push. 
Because I, I know so. that I've heard you guys mention this stuff, and I saw I'm sharing. I just want to know what. So it's an official sponsorship, is it? Yeah, and we did another. We did an interview with him. I, I haven't seen that one. I haven't heard that one. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, no. Just uh, you can look on our YouTube or whatever, and uh, yeah, no. He's uh, he's one of our guys. We did an interview with him. And uh, just to kind of talk, it's a weird interview because it's mostly talking about like metal writing right. over the years, right? Because we've all been into it for so long, right. and uh, but yeah, he's uh, he's the guy who he always reposts our shit, and he does, uh, yeah, I know this. yeah, we've got, we, we've got this kind of pseudo professional connection. So hey, that guy really knows his stuff, man. He he can write. I, he's he's a good writer. That guy. Yeah, I, I prefer when he does like the barrage of short interviews yeah, when it's not when it's not so arty. Yeah. I think he cuts the core better there. My favorite thing he's done is uh, those like investigations into genres and scenes, like the the, the crust the early crust stiff one he did like I think a week or two. Ago. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I uh, I jumped on the uh, the comment section. And I was like, well, you got to talk about winter, obviously. Yeah, you know? mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, that, I thought that was really cool, though. I really liked what he did there. Like, that kind of stuff's pretty cool. No, he's he's at his best when he's talking about kind of historical shit that people have forgotten. Right, so. right, yeah. Deep we, should, we should probably do 2020. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, you're all, you're all good, man. <laughs> Sorry, Matt. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we should, we should probably get on to the uh, actual topic we uh, came here to talk about because we're running out of time uh, for this interview. Uh, I mean, we could we, we we could just like talk shit about scene politics the whole time. That's fine for me. We could. We all enjoy that topic, uh, and I'm sure you <laughs> all enjoy listening to it as an audience. Um, but uh, let's talk about 2020. Uh, you guys obviously had a very different top ten list or top album list for the year than Outpage did. Uh, I had a look, and I, thought, I don't think I see any crossover there. So, do you want to let us know what uh, what you personally loved uh, about 2020? Okay, so uh, for our 2020 list, we decided to do a top 20, and uh, me and my co-host had different approaches. So he structured it as a sort of pure top 20, whereas me, I actually split it into two different lists, like two different top 10s, and kind of folded them in together. So something that we've talked about on the show a lot is sort of like art music versus craftsman's music. Um, and to clarify what that means. So art music is stuff that is deliberately attempting to push a style forward. And craftsman's music is just an outstanding representation of a certain style. Um, so this is something we talked about a lot on the show. I decided to break down my list like that. Uh-huh. Um, so obviously, if you would like to hear our full lists, you can check out Terminus Extreme Metal Podcast on your favorite podcast recording device or on YouTube. And you can also follow us on social media, on Facebook, at Terminus Podcast or on Instagram at Terminus Extreme Metal. But, uh, uh, so yeah, so like m- me personally and uh, more to the point, so it's not just about me. I created a, a Terminus uh, aggregate list, which was basically, uh, 
I constructed a sort of a runoff election style uh, for uh, the albums that we included on our individual list to come up with a terminus uh, top 10 for the year. You know, uh, an entry at number one gives you 20 points, an entry at number two gives you 19, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And uh, what ended up as our number one is something you guys covered and oh. something that should be familiar, which is uh, something that Nick released, which was Into Oblivion's Winds of Serpentine Ascension. Yeah. Right. Yes. That was yeah, some good, good shit, man. That is a uh, an absolutely incredible record. Uh, we covered it uh, probably uh, shortly before or after it was released in 2020. Um, that ended up mathematically as our number one. I think it was number seven on my list and number one on the Black Metal Guys list. Okay. And uh, it's an absolutely outstanding record. Uh, we talk about it extensively on the show. Uh, it has, it, it is sort of a direct continuation of certain styles of Canadian extreme metal, specifically, uh, stuff like Axis of Advance and Sacramentary Abolishment, which are favorites of ours. Um, you know, not to get too into it because, you know, I've, I'm not going to steal the whole show from you guys, but, uh, <laughs> I I I'm I'm even though it was number seven on my list for a total aggregate of the show, I'm very happy that it was number one. It fuses art and craftsmanship in an outstanding way. It fuses the past and the future of extreme metal in an outstanding way. And uh there's no question that uh I don't care if it was number seven on mine, it should be number one on our podcast list. Awesome. We, uh, we were actually lucky enough to premiere a track from that. So yeah, it's a fantastic album. Um, we were glad to be. Yeah. You you guys did, uh, where winds whale and gnaw. Yes. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I, I, I I stole your, uh, YouTube rip to end the, uh, 2020 episode for us. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's a absolutely outstanding record. And you guys like, just to actually be informative, have you guys ever listened to Axis of Advance? I don't think so, no. So I, I want to tell you, if you want to know what Into Oblivion is about, listen to the first Axis of Advance record. It's called Strike. Okay. And it is it will instantly become one of your favorite records of all time. It is this beautiful sort of neoclassical black death and uh it's 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 very hard to describe in words uh the the things that it does the uh styles that it plays with and its understanding of music from basically a thousand years past is almost unmatched until we arrived at this into oblivion record and it is just outstanding do you mean like in the, the, the composing sense, as a, like the, the far as the writing style goes, um, when you say a thousand years past type thing? Or? 
So uh, plenty of extreme metal bands have described the described themselves as neoclassical, right? Right, right. But the reality is most of them aren't. Most of them are simply uh, cropping phrases from, say, Mozart or Bach, something like that. This is a band, uh, both Into Oblivion and Axis of Advance, who understand the actual root of classical music, which is in... Uh, complex, long melodies, not concerned with repetition, not really writing riffs in the way that we understand metal bands to do. Uh-huh. Um, so as a result, you have something much more emotionally and psychologically profound than something like Necrophagist. Uh, right. You know, it, it's... Uh, but in addition to that, it has that heavy metal energy to it. You know, it it really fuses the essence of both traditional heavy metal and modern extreme metal in a way right. that's been done very rarely before. These are powerful songs. They're catchy songs with melodies that you remember while still aspiring to these sort of higher levels of art than you're used to. Uh, right. I guess that would be the, the best way to describe it. And then what was next on your list after, um, after that one? Number two, actually, for the, uh, the combined Terminus list, a, a surprise feature was Mongrel's Cross with Arcana, Scrying, and Revelation. Um, I think this was like number six on my list and number three on the Black Metal guys. Um uh, so there's a whole style of Australian black thrash that I've never been really into, and the black metal guy does enjoy a lot. Okay. But uh, Mongrel's Cross is a band that's been operating for a long time now, but recently, as a vocalist, they've brought uh, Proscriptor from Absu on, and I feel okay. like that drove them to... Aspire to greater heights, which is funny because I'm not a big Absu fan myself. Um, so this Mongrel's Cross record is exquisite. Um, we describe it on the podcast, one of our in-jokes, as sword-oriented um, black thrash metal with the sort of outstanding uh, fantastical melodies but with a perpetually changing rhythm section. It has a, a great essence of being catchy and intense while being accidentally progressive in a way. Uh, these songs are very elaborate and very complex, but still have the immediacy that strikes you as a first-time listener. I uh, think I'm looking at the track list right now, and like, uh, just like looking at, I haven't heard it yet, but the uh, lengths of the song title, like, are, ah, this looks great, dude. <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> for real, no, it really does. It looks awesome. The uh, average track length is over five minutes. You know, like you build up, you have intensity to build there and like really tell a story and like get your shit done. Oh, it's a wonderful album. And 
I'm glad that it was number two, uh, just because like it's a style that I usually don't like the whole black thrash thing because usually it's so reliant on. Ooh, just riffs, I, riff, 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 riff. <laughs> but the riffs usually aren't even good. <laughs> They're just like I'm wearing a leather jacket. Oh, let's play some riffs. You know, this has a real sort of art and construction to it. It's uh, it's it's really yeah. kind of just beautifully defined. It's very singular. I've never heard anything just like it. And uh, listen to this while playing Dark Souls, and right. uh, you're you're gonna have the time of your life, I think. <laughs> I uh, I have to check it out because they're actually from the city I used to live in in Australia, um, and they're where Matt, where Matt lived as well. Uh, they're from Brisbane. And uh, they, I heard them around a lot. And I actually heard their 2018 album, uh, I can't remember what it was called. It's like uh, Salter something. Um, but they didn't have the same vocalist. So I have to check out the new one uh, if, it, if it's different. Oh, yeah. No, uh, Prescriptor does a really great job on vocals. He's got these sort of like nasty goblin-y screams. <laughs> you know? uh, yeah, you're talking about uh, Salter of the Royal Dragon Court. That's yeah. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Very good. Uh, I actually hadn't heard Mongrel's Cross before this, just because it's not the kind of thing I would usually check out. But uh, no, upon hearing this, yeah, it's a it's an outstanding record, and uh, I'm very glad that I heard it. All right, it's on my list, my my homework list after uh, Mortician. <laughs> <laughs> And then, uh, you know, it, to get into some of the stuff that was, like, specific to me, big one was uh, number one on my list was Contrastic with Mamon. Contrastic is a Czech grind band who uh, did their first full-length record in 2000 and then basically laid dormant apart from Split's until they did a, an EP in 2016 called Jarbo. And then in 2020, at the end of the year, they emerged with Mamon. Um, that was the number one on my personal list. It's very hard to articulate why it is a sort of perfect album. But uh, if you're into grindcore and especially the Czech grind scene, which tends to be a little idiosyncratic. Um, <clears throat> it's a beautiful record. Uh, lots of uh, melodic influences from emo and uh, indie rock, while still fully incorporating it into a, a really extreme grind context. Beautiful elaborate songwriting and album writing. You'll hear these same sort of samples, these electronic samples emerge over and over again. There's a distinct arc to this music. The whole album is designed to be listened to as a whole. And uh, yeah, it's uh it was without question, my favorite record of the year. Uh, beyond that, a couple other things, uh, old Juan Gash with Hubris Unchained without question, the best U.S. black metal record of the year. Um, an exquisite sort of punk take on black metal. Uh, 
clearly heavily influenced by stuff like Grand Belial's Key. Uh, seven tracks, all of which are radically different from each other, all have their own spirit centering around uh, a certain soulful center. Um, absolutely incredible. And then another one for me would be Numahagion with Void Gazer. Accidentally, the best uh, death metal meets beatdown hardcore record of the year. <laughs> um, the heaviest record of the year, I think, without question. Uh, R from New Mahagion, a longtime friend of mine. And uh, yeah, no, this is just the the most brutal thing that was released in 2020, without question. <laughs> you know, two-minute songs of three riffs that blow away anyone who is claiming the throne of this sort of hardcore influenced death metal, uh, absolutely beautiful music. And, uh, I think sets a stage for new music to follow. And finally to wrap up my segment, uh, number three on our aggregate list would be sepulchral curse with only oh. ashes remain. I think you guys covered that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was mine, dude. Oh my god. Yes, I fucking love that album. Without man. question the best old school death metal album of the year. Yeah. I what is there? Only Ashes, baby. Uh, what is there to oh. say? It's it's clearly more sophisticated than anything anyone else released. It's blackened death metal core at its finest. It's <laughs> so goddamn good. It is like, oh, I fucking, I probably listened to that like 15, 20 times at least since it came out. Like, I was like, absolutely. Time into a dude, easy. Absolutely I outstanding record. That out. It was like, I, I wrote out like, a, like 96 albums, like, you know, to talk about and, uh, that was the first one on my list. Yeah, um, it is. Uh, <laughs> it is just absurdly good. It is. Uh, it hits all the marks, right? It, you, you have like the 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 singalongs. You have the fucking getting crushed. You have your bricks thrown in your face. You, it's everything, <laughs> dude. It's it's fucking so good. It is a, a beautifully varied record. It defines Finnish death metal in a way that we probably haven't experienced before. And uh, no, it's, it, it's, it's catchy. It's heavy without ever resorting to the sort of like cloned old school death metal riffs. It's just a, a fucking outstanding it's record. So it, it's so good. Dan. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah. No, it, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> actually, actually, do I have time for a couple more? That I want to... Yeah, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> Whatever you want, man. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one that both me and the Black Metal guy featured was Giendod with Angrep. Um, a truly fucking outstanding Scandinavian Black Metal record, uh, which divides itself between incredibly melodic sort of Take influence riff structures and these just absolutely savage sort of angular geometric 
riff structures of stuff like I described it on the show as being very much like uh, Mayhem's uh, Chimera. Um, uh-huh. uh, incredibly varied, very smart music. And uh, the first thing in a while where I have heard sort of conventional uh, black metal out of Scandinavia where I was like, yes, this is it. This is incredible music. Was that the one that had like a, was a guy fighting a wolf on the front yes, cover? Yes, like yes, that is good. Yeah, I uh, I heard that album. That was a good album. I like that. Okay, I need to come back to that again. Oh, that's. I think there's a lot to dig out of that album. Um, and then last one, uh, yeah, the last couple on the list. I'll, I'll leave to the black metal guy. But the last one for me, my number three record of the year was Reverorum Ibnlocked with. Vadar Inte Juhavud, a Roman Catholic black metal band okay. who released a something like 90-minute record last year, uh, which is almost impossible to describe in words. It is a combination of black metal and old-school industrial and electronic and noise music. Love that. Yeah. 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 You, especially James would probably be really into it. Um, I am personally, uh, if you've listened to our show, you know, I am a Roman Catholic, but I think that even without that influence, it would really inspire me in, uh, in a way that not a lot of other records do. It's, uh, it is so extreme. It is so grinding. It is so abrasive that it completely shifts your perception of what so-called Christian music could be, uh, because it is a representation, I think, of these musicians, of the actual terror of God. And, uh, yeah, yeah, it's something to experience with headphones, with the lights off in your bedroom, and uh-huh. you will not be the same after experiencing it. <laughs> what was the uh, name of that one again? So this is Reverorum Imbalakt with Vad Ar Inte Juhvud. That is a Swedish uh, version of What Is Not Seven Heads. Uh, okay. I mean, what isn't? Well, I think I think it might refer to the band, which supposedly has somewhere between seven and twelve members in it, just sort of dropping in and out. Uh, they're the way they construct their music; it's more like an electronic group. You know, people show up, people drop out, they play for a couple tracks, you know, that kind of thing. There's um, there's also that Revelations verse about the beast with the seven heads. Exactly. I I think that is the specific reference for it. Uh, Mm -hmm. The the Beast with Seven Heads or the Seven Seals of Revelations. Um, Right. So, but I think this refers to the members. You know, how do we define uh, what is not Seven Heads? What is not defined outside the sphere of God? You know, which, you know, you can agree with or not, but clearly... Without question, these guys are dominating traditional black metal in a way that few have before. 
And uh, mm-hmm. I think that's it for me. So let me uh, let me take a moment, and then we'll go into your stuff. We'll talk about it. Okay. All right. I'll be right back. I brewed a batch of beer, and I didn't send you a bottle, and I feel really bad about it, but I'm going to drink it in a little bit. Uh, it's the last one I have. But the next batch that I brew, I'm uh, going to send you a bottle of, because it's my recipe all together, and um, it's all based on this beer that is probably one of the best beers I've ever had in my life. So Hello. Hey, I'm sorry. I'm Hello. sorry that I ate so much of your of your time, guys. <laughs> oh no, no problem at all. It's completely fine. And we have no time limit on the. Alpha okay, cool. So it might be like five. Yeah, no. Five I'm, hours. I'm, long I'm fucking. Long. I'm chilling, man. Just having some drinks, talking <laughs> about black metal and shit. Like, <laughs> nah, it's like a, I am. Def, I'm. Def, I found that album, so I'm definitely going to check that one out. I don't know how to pronounce it, but I have it in front of me. Oh, the so. Reverend Ibelot. Yeah, man, I I love industrial black metal fusion. Like well, that's I, well, I love that. Uh, just to, just to just to warn you, it is not what you're expecting. It is like like imagine industrial songs, but like the, yeah. the drone background is just whole black metal songs. Like there there's two songs working in parallel in most of these tracks. Like they could have released this album as just the black metal songs and they're incredible. Uh-huh. And then no, no, they're they're in the background. They're just ambient music for this with all the industrial stuff going over. I could talk for 6 hours about that album <laughs> without question, dude. <laughs> That's awesome. I, I'm really excited for that. I uh, I love that stuff. That's so cool. Definitely, definitely, like listen to it like in the dark on headphones, and embrace Christ's glory and terror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the thing, you know. It's like a, you know, everyone forgets in the Bible. Everyone described Christ as, or God in general, as terrifying, and. Uh, yeah, especially the Old Testament. Yeah, absolutely. Reverend or Mabel Ox is a gentleman. <laughs> Did you ever hear that album that came out this year called uh, Primal Future by a band called Intolerant? No, I'm not familiar with that one. It's a war, uh, war metal slash uh, power electronics slash industrial album. It's, okay. uh, it's pretty good. It's, it's, it's really dirty. Like, it's very dirty industrial music, but... Really, really aggressive electronic. Yeah, if you, with, uh, really harsh black metal. If over. you guys get to me on Discord, I'll show you an EP I did with uh, one of my old bands. I've got a full length written. I want to get the guys back together to do it, um, which I described as the world's only Roman Catholic war metal band. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be interested to hear that. Well, the the EP was written before I was like fully deciding to go in that direction religiously. But uh yeah, no, it's uh it's I, I think it's the best thing I've ever written. And uh I was the guitarist and main songwriter on it. And uh I wrote most of the lyrics and uh yeah hopefully I'll be able to do that full length. And uh awesome. it'll be uh it'll be weird as fuck, I think. It was very <laughs> my my idea was always like Old school Black Death, like Morbid Angel and Profanatica, 
plus uh, sort of like early metalcore, like uh, Converge type stuff. So mm-hmm. imagine, imagine like hyper technical Profanatica with like bizarre sort of Roman Catholic lyrics. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm interested. I'm interested. Oh, that's cool. All right, I'm good to go when you guys are. All right, you ready, Brendan? Yeah, yeah. Um, should we just quickly say what our top three were from the group that they voted, or should we just do our two instead? We could do both. I mean, uh, oh, that's tough to nail down my three because I have so many. Just, but, just make, yeah. You, don't, you don't have to number them. Just say the ones you want to talk about the most interesting, I guess. Um, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, yeah. Got All right, you, you can go first because do you want to start with Hello Butchery? I do. Because <laughs> we both love that. <sighs> yeah. So, um, so my favorite of 2020 has been from uh, Ryan Scott Fairfield, as we know as Hollywood Butchery. And that guy put out probably one of the most diverse and intense albums I've ever heard in my entire life with just everything that he did, you know, like the entire album is, you know, funeral doom, industrial, neo-folk, and just like general sludge ah the album is so amazing like every song is like just brutal and complex um just and just harmonic in a way you know like for a single guy to put out some music like this um death songs was literally probably a genre-defying triumph. You know, this album of 2020, for me, um, was literally in my top album. I I, I couldn't think of anything better. And the the full title is Death Songs from the Hymnal of the Church of the Final Pilgrimage. Yeah, yeah, there's a story behind that one. He uh, he actually lived in a bunker with a cult and recorded all of their ritual rites and uh, like holy prayers yeah. and stuff. And he based the album on those. The lyrics are all from those prayer books and rituals. Oh, so there's this like continuous theme of like aggressively religious extreme metal going on, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, the lyrics in these songs were highly influenced. Uh, you know, from Jonathan Curlis, and he just, they, those people lived without running water, no technology, and it, it's primitive, it's uh, in, invasive, uh, 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 it's just, I'm, I'm really, really, it's so good, man, like, everything about it, uh, it grips you from the very first, like, you know, couple minutes of Evergloom to the last, you know, song of, uh, on the altar where it's just peaceful and it's great, but the entire innards of this entire album over like just so aggressive and brutal and like, it's a gut punch to your soul. It's, it doesn't let up. And then it's also very, it's, it's light as a feather at the same time. And uh, that one is another one that you should also listen to in the dark in full. Um, it's pretty unsettling, to be honest. 
That sounds up my alley. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. That was actually in my in my top ten as well, but Brendan showed it to me, so I let him have it. (laughs) 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 Oh, it's so good. And you know, and then uh, we have uh, you know for my second, I love um, uh, Emirate from Germany, the uh, Desert of Ghouls, the just continuation of their. their traveler, uh, Aramit, you know, is a, the German word for hermit. And they're telling a story about this dude. And uh, it's just, it's so brutal and epic. Um, probably one of the best EPs. It's short and sweet, but it's also long and sweet. <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's two songs. But, um, you know, you're probably sitting at like at least 25 minutes of music, um, you know, almost 20 minutes of music or so. Like, ah, it's so good. Like, it really, it just builds up. It lets you, like, relax a little bit and then just slams you. The vocals are exactly what I would expect to be blackened. Um, and just the the atmosphere that they build in that album or the EP are just it's immense, you know. They really are good at telling a story, and they're apparently releasing an album uh, this year uh, to finish up this uh, this story. So we'll see how it goes. Okay. Any more you want to talk about, Brendan? And then, uh, well, we, I mean, there's so many. So you have uh, Guerrera uh, with Limbo and the um, uh, Aphonic uh, Threndry with the, the Great Hatred, like the Atmospheric Doom death metal. So many to go on and on <laughs> about. Um, Henry Kane with the uh, Age of the Idiot and the... Ilsa, Ilsa came out with an amazing uh, horror doom album this year. Uh, sludge and horror at its finest, for sure. Oh, you're just a sludge kid, ultimately, aren't you? I really am. <laughs> yeah, man. he's a sludge guy. <laughs> I love it, dude. And uh, Heron, uh, Time uh, Immortal, that album blew me away as well. Like, I feel like the uh, the with the sludge kind of vocals, uh, I feel like it's kind of, it, it brings me back to those hardcore roots, right? Yeah, Where yeah. you're like, you're, you're, it's, it's, there's something behind it, you know, it's, it's emotion, it's driven where instead of it's like, just like some guy, like, you know, g- doing gutturals into a, a microphone. Like, hey, don't talk oh, shit about me. I, I'm on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, I feel like they're like literally pouring their souls into the microphone, you know, like with that style and like the like. I really think it. it well, well, well. Then I'm going to ask you. So, what is the ultimate sludge album? And you have two options. It's either uh, Sonic Excess in its purest form by Crowbar, or Take as Needed for Pain by I Hate God. Which one is it, bro? Mm. 
I'm a new school guy, so I'm going to go with the I hate God. Oh, well, it's interesting because Take His Needed for Pain was released a lot earlier than that Crowbart album. Really? I don't know. I mean, the facts are the facts, but for me, I feel like Crowbar has. If you want to talk about sludge, I honestly think that uh, Fistula takes the cake with sludge. Fistula? Really? Yeah. Are you kidding, dude? Those guys. I mean, Fistula's like, good. Throw but bricks. Are are they? I mean, shit. Are Fistula I, better than Buzz Oven? Are they better than Grief? You know. I, I think that grief is that's a different category. Really, I think, but like, f- f- ah, fistula is definitely. What about than what about dystopia? Oh, dude, that's my top sludge right there. I mean, that I, is really I love good. Dystopia. Shit, man, dude. My thing really is, I I love all the extreme, nasty kind of primitive, ugly stuff. But honestly, it does come back to crowbar for me, like. Crowbar emotionally connects in a way that a lot of the sludge bands don't. And the, yeah, this is partially influenced because I saw them live in Germany back in the day, which is the single loudest concert I've ever been to in my life. But goddamn, dude, when they played The Lasting Dose, it was like that was a, a spiritual experience, I think. <laughs> yeah, I've never, oh, I've never got to see them live. I would. There's so many bands that I would love to see live. Like, I've seen a shit ton of hardcore bands and uh, old school kind of like like new age kind of bands. But like, I haven't. I got. I gotta. We gotta get out of this fucking rut and go see some live music, dude. Absolutely, man. That's the way to experience mm-hmm. this shit, especially the cool genres like brutal death and sludge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sludge is fun uh, live. They're the reverb from the sludge in the live show is pretty fantastic that you feel through. Yeah, life. yeah, dude. Dude, so uh, over in Germany, I saw Crowbar, and uh, opening for them was Iron Walrus, who are an outstanding uh, sludge band from Germany, if you haven't heard them. And uh, I saw I Hate God as well in Germany. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I gave a person a concussion in the pit. Um <laughs> Well, he wanted to skank and fuck around during the slow parts, and uh, he was a skinny guy, and I pushed him, and uh, I was not aware of my strength at the time, and uh, he ended up landing on his uh, his head and his uh, spine, <laughs> and uh, but I would say I did nothing wrong at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the best sludge show I, I've been to was Weed Eater and Conan, which is a pretty good. Live Conan is cool. Yeah, yeah. It would be so much fun to see live. Yeah, that was. I've a good never show. seen him live. Honestly, one thing, to. one thing I would love to was, see live, uh, even though it would be dominated by hipsters, would be I really want to see Sleep Live, man. Yeah. I would like that too. Yeah, I was good. about to see uh, last year. Um, it was uh, 2019, 2020, beginning of 2020. Uh, they were playing in New York with Big Oh, Disney. nice. And oh, nice. Uh, I was like, I'm going to that show. I'm going to that show. And then fucking work got in the way and this and that. And I was like, dude, I 
Uh, I missed that show. I, I missed it. And it was like two and a half hour drive for me. I would have loved the fucking shit out of it. Like been there all day type of thing. Like, yeah, uh, once, I once it. we get I off the recording, though, I'll show you guys a sludge band, like one of my personal favorites of all time. But talking about it would dox me because I'm like one of the only people that's ever reviewed them. So. <laughs> Uh, Brendan, is that, is that FD your your list there? Did you want me to jump into mine or anything else you want to mention? Or? Um, I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I mean, we have like Wolf Tooth Valhalla that came out, uh, Weed Demon Crater Maker, mm-hmm. um, and we can't ignore Primitive Man. Primitive Man is cool. Oh, yeah. You know, that, that you know? that's one of the few yeah, nowadays yeah, yeah. sludge bands that as a black and death metal guy myself would be like – no, yeah, they're actually good. They accidentally became big while being good. It's very rare that that happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love that band. And then you have bands like uh, Space Coke, you know, um, where it's just like that psychedelic, dirty fucking rock blues mm-hmm. that it just kicks ass. It's really fucking awesome. I like that um, album, Space Coke Rules. Yeah, or uh, Curse the Sun, uh, Excruciation uh, came out. That's a local band to me. Uh, and they, their singer um, has a stellar voice. He sounds almost like Chris Cornell in a way and um, just has a captivative, like, kind of, like, I know, like his voice doesn't crack. You know what I mean? Like it's not like gurdy. It's it's really it's awesome stuff. You know, um, we have all kinds of stuff. Like Jupiterian came out with amazing uh, album, uh, Proto Sapien, um, and that's an amazing type of new style sludge that I don't think can be fucked with. Love it. Um, Scafe came out with their third album, uh, Scafe 3. You know, the psychedelic-styled black metal. Um, ah, so many. I can go on. I can go on. Uh, War Demonic out of uh, uh, Australia. Yeah. They were so good. So goddamn good. I, I don't know, but I'm also uh, into the new style of black metal. So, you know, something like that might not be like up a lot of people's alleys, but it's like black and death, just solid stuff to me. Yeah. And uh, I guess for, for my ones, I, uh, I kind of had a top 10 that was made up of a mix of things. So for me, it was between albums that were the most unique that I heard for the year uh, that really stood out to me and ones that I just genuinely liked and listened to over and over again, if that makes sense. Yeah, I get um, Yeah. So there, I guess... There, I mean, that was kind yeah. of my distinction. There were records that were maybe not as great as other things we covered on my show, but goddamn, I just listened mm-hmm. to them so much that they deserved a slot. Yeah, yeah, totally, yeah. That's yeah. what it's all about, man. Yeah, then to me, I have to also recognize some of the things that really like push boundaries. I'm like, that's incredible. I've never heard anything like that, but I haven't listened to it a yeah. hundred times. You know what I mean? 
Um, but so for me, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll talk about a couple of both of them. Um, I had, let's start with, let's start with Christworks because that was the one that replaced uh, uh, the one that Brendan was Hello talking butchery. about, Hello Butchery, for me. Because yeah. uh, Christworks, I don't know if you know them, it's it's a solo project by a guy who goes by the name of Jamie Christ. Um, from a, a grindcore band. Yeah, I've heard a section. section. No, actually, my uh, um, my uh, my buddy yeah, on so the show, a- uh, my co-host, he's a big section guy. He's been trying to get me to listen to them for a long time. Okay, uh, well, this is the guy's solo stuff. So this is his, goes under his name, um, and it's a, like a mix between, I guess, grindcore, noisecore, and then a bunch of like industrial and electronic stuff. And uh, it's just a completely assaulting album. It just, it kind of, there's no like respite the entire time it's doing it. It just, it just uh, absolutely <laughs> kicks your ass the whole time. Um, between like the grindcore stuff and then the, the harsh noise stuff, it just never lets up. Um, so if you want something that's going to give you a headache, um, it's a good album. <laughs> it's, it's not like, it's not just noise. There's a lot of melody, melody in there and stuff as well. So uh, it's just a good album. It really stood out to me. Um, and then probably the most interesting album I heard the whole year was by Duma, which is a, a, a band from Kenya. Um, they're uh, a grindcore band. Yeah, they're um, the guys who do like, like the, uh, really the drum and bass and the kind of world music stuff, right? Yeah, mixed with grindcore. Yeah, it's like a lot of like ethnographic recordings, like uh, tribal drumming, um, grindcore stuff. It's it's just this. There's nothing else like it. I've never heard another band that sounds like them. And I showed it to a bunch of people, and they're like, "Dude, what the hell is this?" And like, listen to it more, and you'll probably <laughs> you, you'll get it after a while. And then they're like, "Yeah, okay, I listen to it like twice, and it's really cool." But it, it kind of catches you off guard at first, and it's it, there's nothing else like it. You have to check it out if you haven't heard it. Um, it's actually their label is pretty cool, uh, and Yege and Yege Tapes. Um, so I think they're from Kenya as well, or maybe Uganda, uh, one of those two countries. Um, and they uh, they put out some really interesting African grindcore and noise music okay. uh, this year. And uh, I guess one of the other ones I listened to to mix it up was a hardcore album uh, by a Swedish band called, I'm going to say it wrong probably, but it's Dorden's uh, Maskinery. And the album was called Detsvenska uh, Hatet. It's like a, a Swedish style of hardcore, but it's a blend between D-beat and beatdown. Um, and it's, it's really raw and really harsh, but really catchy and groovy at the same time. Um, that's one of the ones I just listened to on repeat since I found it. Um, and I only found it a week before we did the top 10 list. I'm like, nah, this is going in. Um, it's, it's, I just fell in love with it. Um, I guess what else I listened to was uh, Burning Palace. I don't know if you guys no, know Burning not familiar. Palace. Yeah. It, uh, I think they're from New York. That was really good. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. It's... um. It's so like yeah, uh, Transylvanian. Yeah, it's a mix between, I guess, dissonant, uh, death metal, so stuff like um, Gorguts, and then um, Tech Death, but not like wanky. Here's like a 15 minute solo of me playing different chords, Tech Death. Like the music's technical, but it's still really aggressive and raw and dirty at the same time. Um, and then it's got some ambient stuff in there as well, like really bro- like dark ambient stuff. But mix- yeah, it's a mix between like Tech Death. Dissonant death metal and like some dark ambient stuff. It's, it's cool. I really liked it a lot. Um, probably my top straight up like death metal album uh, for the year. Oh, um, 
Then Everson Poe. Uh, I really like Everson Poe. It's a one-man project, a one-person project. Um, and if you like old-school, like, 90s Doom Death, so stuff like early Catatonia, um, early My Dying Bride, uh, early Anathema, so all, all of those sort of bands, it's really in the vein of that music. Uh, it's probably one of the best examples I've heard of modern Doom Death that plays that style. Uh, in that it's it's kind of like it's got the really emotional guitar, but the vocals are still pretty raw and not just like super guttural. They're actually kind of high on the higher side. Um, a lot of pain and emotion in the vocals, so that stood out to me a lot. And then we were talking about the new the new vein of like uh, old school death metal worship, and I really liked Obscene uh, with the Inhabitable Dark. Um, that's one of the, the sort of old school worship bands, um, but it had a bit of a new edge to it. Uh, the vocals are super unusual for death metal. They, they definitely, they kind of sound a little bit like um, yeah. DSBM, uh, like the suicide, yeah, DSBM type of vocals, but with like old school death metal uh, instrumentals. Um, so I really dug that one. And then I guess, uh, I don't know if you heard of them, but I think they're from Florida. Yeah. Uh, Warf- yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I, I really dig those guys. That that EP they brought out, Shit Slime. I was I, I listened to that so many times. Yeah, that album, that EP. Uh, I posted that in our group. Uh, oh, so goddamn good, man. Yeah, that's that's a fun album. And uh, I guess the other two I had was uh, Undergang. Um, the guys, I think they're from Denmark, but they play a yeah. really Undergang have been good style death metal. Time. You know, like. Yeah. Um, they're fantastic, man. That that album of theirs, the latest one, I love it. Like the amount of vocals that sound like him throwing up. <laughs> just it's really, it. it's very extreme <laughs> for old school and death metal the, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 it really is. Um, I, I love it. And then the other one I had was Burning Power. No, sorry, the Crooked Whispers, which is my probably my, I think my only like uh, sludge album from the year. Um, it's uh. It's just dirty and grimy, and I really liked it. It's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. Quest and the Dead Beats. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of. I like- was supposed to see them live this year or last year, sorry, with um, uh, uh, Twin Temple. Oh, nice! And that would've been good. COVID <laughs> fucking canceled that shit. I'm sorry. <laughs> So yeah, instrumental-wise, it's like Uncle Acid, but then the vocals are really dirty sludge vocals. <laughs> it kind of sound like a swamp creature, um, <laughs> mixed with like clean vocals. But the clean vocals are even slimier than the ones from Uncle Acid, like kind of nasally. I don't know. I, I really dig it. It's a fun album. It's a mix between like old school and new stuff. It's fun. Um, and oh, I had one more, and that's my whole list. So I might as well say it. Uh, Beastmaker with Body and Soul, uh, just an EP mm. they did. But uh, it's super, super catchy. Um, this song's just been stuck in my head for the whole year, pretty much. Um, just old school, okay. old school Doom, start, uh, Stone of Doom. Um, just yeah. a really fun EP. Trevor Trevor Church, right? Yep. From Haunted? Yeah. Yeah, Haunt. Haunt, mm. Haunt, yeah. Yeah, that's his other yeah. band. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that, was, that was my so, top ten. I think it's pretty tight, for sure. I love uh, for like old school, uh, but in a new school fashion was the live burial, unending fertility. Like what a great fucking album! It just blasts you in the face right out the gates. It's mm-hmm. just 
so good. Um, yeah, I think that about <laughs> wraps up the 2020 recap. Yeah, man. Uh, everyone's happy with that. Because we've got, a, got all my got stuff a little out, bit over time. So it's all good. <laughs> yeah, me too. Awesome. Um, yeah, if, if there's anything else you want to add um, while you're on the show. Uh, man, real quick to fill in for my co-host. Uh, the other things we didn't talk about on the aggregate list, because they were his originally, were the uh, the new Hate Forest, Hour of the Centaur, uh, very extreme, sort of brutal black metal. I mean, if you've heard Hate Forest, you know what to expect, and this does not disappoint. And uh, the other one of his uh, would be Serpent Column with Cathodus. Yeah. 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 Um, oh. That was good. If you're listening to either of our podcasts, you probably know Serpent Column. Uh, very extreme kind of technical black metal. Um, always changes forms on every record. Um, and then uh, some honorable mentions for me. Um, Vong, a wander in liminality. Uh, a beautiful Vietnamese black metal record, very in the uh, Dark Throne Burzum vein, but uh, creating its own sort of atmosphere. Uh, absolutely wonderful record. Uh, originally, a demo got re-released last year, but it's just a full length to me. Uh, just Before Dawn and Army at Dawn, wonderful uh, bolt thrower inspired uh, death metal band with a the main member being a guitarist who was on the first Amana Marth record, uh, once sent from the Golden Hall, the best Amana Marth huh. record. Um, so imagine a, a wonderful combination of bolt thrower, sort of grinding extremity with sort of traditional early Amana Marth melodies. And uh, and uh, just one more thing that uh, I didn't really talk about on the show uh, because it came out before we did our show, which is uh, Internal Rot, uh, a uh, an Australian grindcore band who are absolutely outstanding with a record called uh, Grieving Birth. Um, uh, if you're into bands like Hemdale or Mezrine, stuff like that, you'll absolutely love two-minute songs that pack more ideas into them than fucking most, like, prog metal bands do. There you go. That's your record. So. <laughs> awesome. All right. I think that kind of wraps us up for the show. Um Thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been really good to, to chat to you. It's kind of been cool to do the podcast. Yeah, I'll have you guys on sometime. Fun, fun uh, experiment. Yeah, we'd love to. Sounds great. Brendan, anything to, to add there before we wrap up? Oh, my God. I mean, do we talk about EPs? We will do that on the, uh, the other segment of the wrap-up show with Matt. Yeah, cool. all right. Because I was going to say, I got a lot of stuff. Um, yes. You know, Moss Eater put out a great album. We have Dungeon Weed. Um, There's a lot of neat stuff, dude. 
so yeah. much came out this year. We can do a, we'll do an EP section on that, the other part of the uh, the podcast. Yeah. That's All it. Right. Uh, That's smoke it. crack and That's worship that, Satan, man. Good. Awesome. <laughs> so for uh, he he said it. Uh, <laughs> for anyone listening, thanks for tuning in, and uh, that's our show. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. Later, brothers. Thanks for sticking on, man. I went for a bit longer than we expected. We like, <laughs> yeah, we'll do like forty-five minutes to an hour, two hours later. Well, yeah, I, I spurred <laughs> out for you know twenty minutes at a time, so. <laughs> That's cool, man. It's uh, it'll be good. Well, well, the, I think the, the final yeah, episode yeah. will probably end up being like four and a half hours, kind of like your one did, I think, because we're still going to try and get uh, Nick see. on for a bit if we can make, manage to get that to happen. Um, do like absolutely a, do a similar segment with him, um, and then do our own thing, which will be Matt, Brandon, and I. All doing right, a wrap fuckers. Up what are your so names for one. the Discord? In my place. Uh, uh, mine is spell it out for me. I'm pretty sure. Let me go to Discord. M O E. And what it it starts with a like a a hashtag, doesn't it? No, No, yeah, but uh, for Discord, it has like its weird like numerical thing. Oh, uh, shit. Let me see. Uh, well, I only have like one group here. Um, oh, it was a bowling alley. You know? That's, that's not. And that should be good. Oh, no, okay, here. Hashtag. Hashtag uh, Modessa. 1694. 1694. So, so yeah, Modessa, oh, Modessa hashtag, hashtag 6094. 6094. Okay. Uh, let's see. Yes. And I have a uh, paper, da- uh, paper bag puppet as my uh, profile oh. picture. Uh, spell your name again. M O E D E S S A hashtag 1694. That's it. Uh, well, that's the, the so the uh, uh, Discord number. God damn. It. Okay. Um, Hashtag. I'm just going to send this to you on fucking Facebook. <laughs> I'll just I'll just send you the link because I'm. Yeah, no, that's fine. It'll work. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll get it. That work. Way. No, you're good, dude. Do you want mine? I uh, have it here. I've never set it up, but I have the. Uh, well, uh, the no, I'll, uh, I'll send you the well. link on on Discord. Ah, okay. One second. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds good. Discord. James. There you go. Accept invite. Okay, and I can add you yeah, to the uh, the degenerate free letters category. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. All right, there we go. A repugnant free loader. That was how I identified you. <laughs> oh, cave dweller. There we go. Gotta put you in pink as well, fucker. There you go. <laughs>
No, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was solid. I think uh, it's a good podcast. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, we got to combine forces. Yeah, man, it'd be cool. Sure. Um, we got a lot going on. Uh, I think, uh, you know, we're just going to get back into it because uh, my buddy, uh, the co-host, he was taking a couple weeks off to do shit for his job. Um, and then uh, after we're in for a little while, you know, back with the second season of Terminus or whatever. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely get you guys on. Sounds great, man. Oh uh, yeah, I yeah, actually have great. to. Hit. I mean, we got a lot going. Like, there's a whole fucking. Yeah, but we we only operate, you know, dude. We we're both like alcoholic metal retards, so we only operate like two weeks in advance, you know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, uh, mm-hmm. thanks for having yeah, me on, guys. Really, really appreciate it. And uh, I'm gonna no, pass no, out to work. So. <laughs> I, I have to hit off as well, man. I told my wife it would be like a 45-minute thing. It's been two hours. <laughs> I better get going. <laughs> <laughs>